Are you employing Mr. Lebowski? Wait, wait, let me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. players that we knew they did exactly what we thought they were going to do. As usual, to my left, I got Houdini. Across the way, I got Stag Party. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. And uh, what up, fellas? You guys all fired up and geezed up? It's only week two, and it feels like we're uh, we're halfway through the season with all the work we've been putting in this offseason. What up, Stag Party? Yeah, a little bit. I thought for sure you were going to go with Much Do About Week Two as the title. <laughs> I'm, I, not, I, I'm not so Shakespearean. I always think think like what you're going to go with is the little spinoff, and that was I had my money on much ado about week two. Hey, you know what? I'm going to name it. I'm going to write it down. That's what we'll call it for this because it's a lot smarter than my bullshit. Hey, what to do in week two? But I should have asked you and your, you know, your word no, beforehand. I, like I just it. wanted to win some money from Houdini. <laughs> all right. So uh, pretty awesome time all around. in North Hollywood on Radford near the In-N-Out Burger. Oh, the In-N-Out Burger's on camera. Near the In-N-Out Burger. Those are good burgers, Walter. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Those are some good burgers. Animal style. Oh, God. Yeah, those are those are great. Although, there's so many amazing burgers that have come out over the last five years, and burger has just become such a crucial and popular meal for foodies and chefs. That uh, it's taken a little bit of a hit, let's be honest. But uh, anytime I'm out on the West Coast uh, or in Vegas, I like to hit an in and out. Well, you know what I like? There's a, uh, <clears throat> a burger joint up here in uh, Northbrook. It's called Charlie Beinlitz. I don't oh, know yeah. if you've ever been there. Of course. It's cash only place. They have a menu. It's basically just burgers. It's all oh, that's old school. That's a hole in the wall. That's like they got they got that awesome moving ham sign on the wall. Oh, but it's we, an old Northwoods. Uh, feels like a lodge. Love yeah. it. Love it. That place is good. Beinlitz is good time. Um, awesome. You know, basically what we do here on the show each week in season 
is we go through and we talk matchups. We talk through all the games this week. We'll talk through all 16 games that are happening uh, for week two of the NFL season. And if you want to follow us, we just go down the list from NFL.com. In the middle of that main navigation, you will see Schedule. Then go to that drop down and you'll see Regular Season. Hit week two and uh, we get right into it. This Thursday, September 15th, we have the Jets versus the Bills. Obviously, Rex Ryan uh, seeing his old squad, a lot of the same faces, a lot of old faces. Um, what to expect from a fantasy football uh, uh, side of things. Uh, get going and uh, we'll all just kind of pop in with some of our thoughts. Well, luckily, if you're colorblind, you'll actually be able to tell the difference between teams in this Jets-Bills matchup. Unlike, you know, last Thursday, Color Rush. And we saw a lot of the Color Rush uh, jerseys revealed today. I think pretty much all of them were revealed. Super dope. Uh, pretty cool looking. We'll get to see that first and foremost. And then, depending on what you're looking at, if you're looking at, you know, the Jets on the road, they need to play better after losing a one-point game to the Cincinnati Bengals. If you're looking at the Bills, those guys definitely need to play better. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Let's start with the Jets. Uh, we'll start with the away team here, right? So the one guy that, that okay, Matt Forte, can we just say, yes, forget about, you know, at, at the early onset here that Bilal Powell and him are going to be in a timeshare. No, it's Matt Forte. Forte had 22 carries to Bilal's four last week. He also had seven targets to Bilal's four and had ended up with five catches to Bilal's two. So... They are going and trying to use Forte. They tried to use him in the red zone. Oh, that <laughs> was just... That worked. Uh, no. No. <laughs> it has it ever? It never has no, in his career. No, we were talking about that. last week that Forte is one of the worst, uh, if not red the worst zone red zone. Run. When, yeah. One of the worst red zone runners of all time. Just def- watching the Bears games over the last eight years is obvious. Every time it's like, oh my God, this guy just can't get a two-yard run in the zone. But if you're an Eric Decker or a Brandon Marshall... You know, owner, that's encouraging for your wide receivers. Uh, if Forte can't pound it in the end zone like Ivory did last season, these guys are going to see a plethora of red zone targets, and that continued sort of in this game. Eric Decker coming down with a touchdown, but I think uh, Brandon Marshall had or was tied for the most red zone targets in the league in week one with four of those. He just didn't have a great game. That's, you know, he missed a lot of time in this training camp for reason sort of unbeknownst to us so far. So, you know, him getting back in the flow, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Eric Decker, and then new sort of, you know, a little bit of a coming out party for Quincy Anunua. Yeah, let's talk about Quincy Anunua because I think that here's a guy that, as you're looking forward, is what the Jets are going to do. The Jets, outside of the running backs, only targeted <laughs> Decker, Marshall, and Anunua in the game. And Anua had uh, tied Marshall with eight targets. So here's a team that lost Jason Morrow, right? So we we're wondering, well, what are they going to do with the tight end? Well, they really don't have an option there. So Anua has basically kind of come in and kind of running and being that type of a, a relief role in their offense. So, you know, is he going to be able to keep that hotness going and exploit the Bills in this matchup? Uh, that's a major question because he mostly plays out of the slot. You know, the Bills, one of the best Bills defenders is Ronald Darby out of the slot. I think you're more apt to see them focus their passing on the uh, outside the hashes. So Decker and Marshall should get theirs. Uh, But this is a game where if the Bills stop Matt Forte, 
you know what these guys are going to do. And we saw once they were sort of pigeonholed into throwing a lot, that Fitzmagic struggled a little bit uh, against the Bengals. And I think the Bills sort of have that same ability. And, you know, depending on what the Bills decide to do on offense, they're just going to take the air out of the ball. Like they did, you know, in week one against Baltimore, you know, for reasons unbeknownst to me. We'll, we'll see, because that's not a great matchup in terms of volume overall for this offense. But they should be able to stop the run at least a little bit. But, you know, all their guys are a little nicked up. And, you know, their interior run defender, Ragland, was lost for the season in the preseason. You know, we've got all these guys with little nicks and bruises on the Bills. And, you know, none bigger than Sammy Watkins. But we haven't even gotten to that side of the wall yet. Yeah, they are have they were one of the teams in the preseason that just basically had everybody injured every week. I think there was like them and the Bears, and, and uh, there was one other team that was basically eleven or twelve guys constantly on the injury report. So, um, well, let's talk about Sam. Let's I mean, talk I about think, Sammy. Let's talk about Sammy. I think I think a lot of people out in the world right now, from the Jets side on offense, a lot of question marks. A lot of hey, let's not overreact. It's one game. Let's let's you know this is what happens when Fitz Magic uh, couldn't get back and be a part of this team for a long time. Finally. Uh, back. There's a lot of question marks. They gotta, they gotta have the pieces fall into place a little bit. So we'll see what happens there. But he did do what he always does. He did throw two touchdowns. He, he's pretty consistent there. Uh, now, the question all right, we've got. Let's go to the other side. Sammy Watkins' foot discomfort. The, the, the MRI came back negative. So they're saying there's no new broke uh, break. There's no broken situation with any of the screws. But he's got obviously obviously has discomfort. This is terrible for all of us because we were all in on the Sammy hype. We were all in. All three of us, I guarantee, have shares of him across all of our action. So when you start reading that, it's uh, terrible news. And then we get the double down backwards uh, situation where it's Thursday game. He's playing in two days, so he doesn't get those extra three days of rest. Uh, do first of all, do you guys think he plays in this game? Second of all, is this are we worried long term? Well, I, I'm I'm more concerned long term if he plays this week. This is one of those ones where he says he's going to play. So they asked Rex Ryan, well, he says he's going to play, so I assume he's going to play. Is what Rex says. Well, I you know he didn't practice obviously on Monday, and they're going to be holding him out. I would just rather at this point in time. As an, if I was an owner of him, knowing how Thursday nights are always usually not a great matchup, if you're not going to be able to, to practice leading up to the game, take the time off, take the extra week then, get yourself 100% healthy, come back week three and be a, uh, someone that I don't have to worry and question each week, do I or do I not start you? I agree with you there. I just don't think Sammy Watkins wants to do it. He's got such respect for Darrell Rebus and their little rivalry that started last season. But I think he wants to be on the field. Because last time, sort of the same situation happened. Sammy was dealing with a little bit of an injury, going into a Thursday night game against Darrell Rebus and the Jets. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play. And, you know, he struggled to a tune. Uh, But we'll see. But Darrell no, Revis is struggling. So <laughs> Darrell Revis. Revis. I mean, AJ Green wiped Darrell Revis's face with uh, in his ass. In I that mean, that he, was, he used him as a, as a tux medicated pad or whatever, because <laughs> he was on fire and and, it, and that wasn't putting it out. <laughs> Some of those plays are definitely on Revis in short coverage, but Revis still has it 
in short coverage. It's just when the, you know, if a guy like Sammy Watkins takes him deep and he's looking for safety help and the safety has come down on the play, that's when you're worried because Darrell Revis does not have that long speed to keep up with these, you know, A.J. Greens and Sammy Watkins of the world anymore when he used to earlier in his career. Yeah, the only thing that I worry about, though, is Sammy, if he's got the sore foot, is he actually going to be able to get downfield and beat yeah. him? So. I mean, one thing you can do well on a sore foot is run straight. You know, the cuts will be the most effective, so we'll see that. Um, but LaShawn McCoy, he should get plenty of volume in this game, you know, depending on if the Bills actually try to run plays. They ran 48 plays last week, and that's like 16 below their average from last year. They were simply atrocious sort of on offense. Tyrod Taylor, you know, nobody was getting open for him. He was forcing everything, and then they didn't allow him to run, so everything Tyrod had was was out of the game plan. Wasn't that their issue last year? Didn't they have the least amount of offensive plays of any team as well yeah. as last year? No? Okay. No, they played fast. Okay. Um, well, the other, here's the other thing. So if you are a Charles Clay owner, he's a guy that also uh, got injured. I think it was his knee uh, in, in the game there. So he is now practicing this week. He's questionable because everybody's questionable now. Uh, but he'll be a game-time decision, so probably go another option if you have it. Rob Bryan uh, had complications with his lap band, so Rex will be removing his lap band as well in a show of support for his brother. That is brotherly love. How many lap bands do these guys have to get? I mean, it's a, it's not a good, it's not like a safe like, surgery. People like die getting lap bands. And these guys that keep taking them in and out, just stop eating, figure it out, guys. You're like in the gym every day. Like, start running and eating less. That sounds good to me. God damn, I might get a lap band if I don't start losing weight. <laughs> Wait, lap dance? What? Yeah, well that, that already. I'm in. Um, just so it's known, uh, I got my guy guys out. Uh, go for it. Lap band. Just take it easy, man. I'm perfectly calm, dude. Yeah, waving the fucking gun around? Calmer than you are. Will you just take it easy? Calmer than you are. <laughs> That's Rex and Rob talking to me. I'll talk. We'll talk about my Sunday a little bit later on the show. Let's get let's get to this Sunday. All right, we got the 49ers who were made look to look like the best team in the league by the Rams last night in that snooze fest late night at the Panthers. Wow, that'll be a little bit different of a matchup. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the 49ers. Obviously, um, we're not going to talk about the Kaepernick shite. You get enough of that. But Gabbert looking good, looking like the uh, not even a poor man, looking like a rich man's Alex Smith. Yeah, he looked pretty poor, especially in that second half when they got after him. He missed a lot of throws down dirt. Um, d- just didn't look great. The only time he really looked great was when they're like uh, Aaron Donald's just basically taking an outside pass rush every single time, and there's nobody in front of him for 12 yards. So then he scampers for eight or nine, and you know takes a little slide. Yeah, his numbers look all right, but you know this is a volume-dependent offense going up against the Carolina Panthers. I want nothing to do with it. The only player in fantasy should really be even considering. I mean, we saw Torrey Smith struggle. I mean, we saw Jeremy Curley make some plays. We saw Quentin Patton make some plays. And those two guys are sort of the same dude. Mm-hmm. So they might just make a bunch of small catches, but... Five for 50, both for both, written all over them. The only guy you should be interested in starting is Carlos Hyde. We just saw how these guys got carved up by C.J. Anderson on you know the main stage Thursday night, and he's been carving them up. You know, Quan Short hasn't looked 
great so far this season and you know didn't look that great in the Super Bowl and he's sitting there complaining about his money and you know I, I'm willing to run Carlos Hyde out there as an RB2 against these guys just because of the volume he's going to get. I understand he's going to get volume. I don't like him in this matchup. If I have, unless I have, if I got a better option, I want to go there because when you're going up against Keekley, Thomas Davis, Shaq Thompson, you know that linebacking core, they're going to be they're going to be on him pretty quick. And also coming off of the loss to to Denver, they've had the extra time to prepare for this matchup. This is one of those things where I think it becomes kind of a statement game. San Francisco, you got your, your glory against the Rams. Now welcome, instead of playing a 4A team, you get to play an NFL. Same exact thing happened last year on week one, remember? Everyone was like, oh, why didn't I draft Hyde so earlier? He's all world. And then we saw it went all downhill from there. So i uh, seen that little show before. Let, let's go to uh, Vance McDonald got a touchdown. Something interesting there. He didn't have any good targets or whatever oh, in the game. But in, if you're in a situation where you're looking for a tight end in a deeper league and, and he's still to be available, there's something to be considered about the check down this of um, a Gabbert and, and, and Vance McDonald's. I, I thought he looked all right. So um, let's go and talk about the 49ers who their defense looked all – you got something else to say about this team? Yeah, okay. I mean it's all about Carlos Hyde. This is it. Chip Kelly and his run game – you know, the things they, they're going to do with the volume. He's going to be a suitable play for you in fantasy this week. He might not get a, get two touchdowns, but when he is healthy, Carlos Hyde has lateral quickness like few other backs in the league. And with, the, with that size. With that size. I mean, sure. Let's go on. Let's move on to the other side of the ball with the Panthers. I think the Niners' defense looked like they brought in some great young components. Uh, Navarro Bowman looks like he's kind of back to the old ways. Or... LA Rams are just the shittiest offense, which uh, probably probably a little column A, a little column B. But the Panthers should be uh, coming back and, and, and ready to kind of uh, unleash, hopefully, and we will find out. It'll be interesting as a 49er fan to see if, if this defense is to some degree for real against an actual offense that uh, can score. Last year, the Panthers scored more than any other team in the NFL. So if this is a low-scoring game against the 49ers uh, this week, then you can start considering the Niners as a real-deal defense. Yeah, I, I think that they – but, you know, again, you're going to go from the Niners playing against – did a great job against Todd Gurley, but that was at home. Now they're going to be playing on the road yeah. against Carolina, um, who I don't know how many games in a row they've won at home. I know it's a, it's a heck of a lot. So you have uh, – the other thing that Carolina has going for him, you got Kelvin Benjamin who showed up and was like ready to roll. Yeah. Uh, so he, his game is on. Jonathan Stewart didn't have a horrendous game against the Broncos. He's kind of got game planned out of it toward the end. And so now we get to, and we know that Greg Olson is, is 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 fantastic. So in this matchup, those linebackers, those young guys that they that they got on this uh, on the San Francisco defense, they're going to be put to the test uh, trying to cover Greg Olson. Uh, they're going to be put to the test with Kelvin Benjamin trying to, to, to contain him. And now they're also going to have to deal with Cam Newton, who I think is going to be able to expose them for a bunch of yards on the ground in this matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're pretty much starting all of your usual sp- suspects for the Carolina Panthers. I'm pretty sure Cam Newton is going to be the number one quarterback overall in our rankings. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that, even you know how good San Francisco looked, you know, depending on the opponent, whatever. He's going to be very up there in our ranks. He's going to rebound very nicely from that Denver game. Um, he's going to be able to run. He ran it 11 times that first week. If he wants to run, that option is going to be available to him. 
Also, they are going to be able to use their speed on the outside with Ted Ginn more than they were able to in the first game. We saw them try to get him some snaps. And then Devin Funchess got in some snaps. And Corey Brown got in some snaps. But then leading the way was Kelvin Benjamin, uh, who was expected to be on a snap count. And that just wasn't true. But now, potentially, we can see that week two going up in a game where they feel they should beat the crap out of the 49ers. If you're worried about Kelvin Benjamin out of pet. And on a pitch count, you should be worried about it in matchups where they overwhelm the other team and not matchups where it's going to be a dogfight. That's a great point. Because if they get ahead, then you're going to rest them and you're not going to, you know, overwork them. So, you know. Well, we know. Look, now, now, obviously, well, and we'll get to the, that, this, this game later, but Pittsburgh hasn't figured that out with uh, D'Angelo Williams. That you could have rested the guy in that. Overwork your 33-year-old running back at the end of that game. But, hey, I had him in the fantasy league, so he scored me 34 points. I'm happy with it. God, good game. Good game. Uh, well, you got the Panthers. Obviously, Greg Olson looked great. Uh, I test pass. We were all kind of like, is he finally going to hit a wall? Uh, seems like he's still uh, still ready to roll. So, um, all right. I think, uh, I think that situation, there's a lot to be told. Cam Newton, obviously, was the first quarterback taken in most. Eh, maybe Aaron Rodgers, but uh, in a lot of fantasy drafts. And um, it was an interesting one, week one. Uh, he was getting just uh, shellacked and helmet to helmets out the wazoo. Still finished as a top ten quarterback. Nope. Hey, I'll never, I'll never, never knock on uh, on, on Mr. Cam Newton. Uh, but hopefully this guy can stay healthy because uh, it, it, he was taking. I actually think long term, some of the issues and some of the lack of calls that happened from uh, some of the spears that the, the Broncos were giving him will help him long term because he's getting that Shaquille O'Neal factor where he's the biggest guy in the field and the rest are like, oh, it's, he can take it. Uh, I think it'll help long term where they're going to start calling a lot of flags and people are going to have to kind of ease up a little bit on the guy. So owners of Cam, hopefully that comes true. Let's go to the next game and um, that's going to be the Cowboys at the Redskins. Uh, two underwhelmers in Week One uh, for offenses. A lot of a lot of buzz coming into the season for both, and uh, let's be honest, uh, both kind of um, let down owners that had shares uh, across the board. Uh, start with the Cowboys. Elliott got in the end zone, and um, let's start with him. Well, how about that's about it? I mean, what was it? Twenty carries for fifty-one yards. You know, so he's gonna get the carries, but it, you know, this is part of where you have that. Teams stacking the box up against them, you know, they're 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 gonna make Dak Prescott beat him. Dak didn't come through in week one. He was hit in the backfield on 14 of 20 carries. Like if that offensive line did not play great against the Giants, the Giants defensive front looked absolutely for real. Uh, I will talk more about them later, but yeah, he was hit in the backfield on pretty much every single carry he got. And was still, you know, up there in yards after contact. So that's something you like. Usually, this offensive line is going to be able to push around other teams. And you got to think they'll be able to push around the Redskins. You know, sort of like the Pittsburgh Steelers did on Monday night. You know, Redskins one last extra day. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to see. They are coming off a short week, going to a Sunday game off a Monday night. So these guys, you know, lots of questions with the Redskins on defense. Uh, not a lot of questions on the outside of their defense, however. You know, Brashad Breland, you know, if Antonio Brown wasn't Antonio Brown, Brashad Breland was all over him. And Big Ben would just drop a dime to where nobody in the world but Antonio Brown could catch it. And then Josh that first Horton, long touchdown, the fourth and one, Breland covered that perfectly. He had his hand in there, the ball just like went right behind him. And he, must, he was watching the film that next day like, 
fuck's sake, I mean, like one inch away on like multiple plays. But they're going to have to figure something out. And, you know, a lot of the pundits were talking about it afterwards. I mean, Norman, I know he's, he, he likes to play that side of the field, but every team has got their stud is going to just line up and, uh, and have their best guy line up on the left side and go against Freeland, no matter how good he is. Isn't that the same thing that happened with Richard Sherman? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the kid's guy lines up on the one side of the field. So, you know, it's the old school way where it used to just be, we'll just take, we'll just close out this side of the field. But, yeah, you know, if you're that good, you should be able to play wherever you are. But the thing is, Josh Norman's also a better zone corner than a yep. man corner. So it doesn't matter if he follows the player around or not. He's going to be in man. Or he's not going to be in man. If he's following a guy around, that means he's in man. And then the defense, you know, the offense knows your play call. So mm-hmm. having a guy shadow... In a position he doesn't do best at, it's not necessarily in the cards for him. But let's yeah. talk about let's talk about what do you think Elliot's got in store for this week. Elliot should be back. I mean, Elliot's going to be he's going to he got the we saw the attention he got from the defense last week. We saw the amount of carries they were willing to give him in week one, and it looked like they were willing to give him even more until the game plan just hey we've got to throw these last couple drives because now we're trailing. So we'll see. He should be able. He's going to be an 18 to 20 touch running back every single week of the season, and there's very few of those left in fantasy football. So start Ezekiel Elliott. The question really is, Des Bryant. Yeah. You know, okay, Des Bryant, 2014. I think he had seven catches for 129 yards and three touchdowns. Breland's rookie year. But then last year, Breland was able to play well against him in man-to-man coverage, and now if he goes on to the other side. You know, Josh Norman's covering that side. And it seems like Jason Carrot just does not want to use Dez and move Dez around the formation like they do Antonio uh, Brown. Mm-hmm. I never see Dez in motion rarely. Like, it's, hey, Dez goes line up on the outside and, you know, run a slant, run a go, and they don't really move him. They don't do anything exotic with him. And teams have been able to take Dez out of the game plan, especially without Tony Romo there to sort of extend the play and then make that little flick of the wrist. I don't understand why there isn't more motion with these studs. It's just never it never makes sense. But I am someone that thinks that Dez they're gonna make they're gonna go out of their way to make Dez back in this make him happy, bring him back in the situation. A lot of people are like two in both leagues that I'm in, my my two my big money league and my oldest league, both owners of Dez were like Anyone want Dez? So if you if you're not scared of that and making bull trade, you know you can buy low on him a little bit because what, what one catch eight yards is the least amount of yards ever in a game that he started I think. Um, so Trub City. Now on the flip side of that, you got Witten, 14 targets or something like that. You're loving that. This guy, the ageless wonder. I mean, I'm a, for tight ends. I'm all about the targets, and, and he got. Him. And again, it's it falls right into into the plan, right? When you have a rookie quarterback, it's an easier read for him to find Witten. Witten is a great body who knows how to to box uh, the defender out and give his quarterback a big target. And it becomes an easier pass. You don't have to throw that longer outside uh, out, out pattern that has to be a much stronger throw that you have to hit Dez with. Let's also remember where the Giants are strong and where they are weak. They are stronger on the outside of the court corners with Rodgers Camardi and Janoris Jenkins, uh, as opposed to their linebackers, which are sort of wishy-washy. I mean, you can get Jason Witten open. You can get Cole Beasley open on quick routes. When they're covered by linebackers, it's sort of like, you know, Indy. Have you seen their linebackers cover anybody? You're, well, they don't have that linebackers. Was, that was their whole game plan, was to attack the middle of the field 
with Jason Witten and Cole Beasley. Why do you think Dez wasn't more pissed during that game that he wasn't getting looks? Well, no, but yeah, don't do. you think that it's, it's still going to hold true again this week? I mean, look, Jesse James was able to show pretty good, nicely against this Washington defense uh, on, on Monday night. So why why wouldn't Witten be another solid? Oh, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying. I, that's I, why. I mean, we could talk about, but this whole division is not full of great defenses. Well, let's go on to the let's go on to the other side of the ball with the Redskins. Uh, my beloved cousins uh, started off with kind of a stink bomb. Um, did, did we hit Dak yet? No, thought, do a quick Dak. I mean, do a Dak attack. Dak, Dak was all right. What five yards per attempt though? Got a lot of passes. He did look pretty good though most of the time. He was able to stand back there. I don't think he took a sack. He was able to move in the pocket, and then when he didn't seem like he had the okay to run very much. I think he had, what, two rush attempts, and only one of them was designed. So we'll see if they open up that playbook a little bit more. But I just had a feeling that they were going to be real tight with the rookie in week one in the division matchup. So we'll see if they you know, do the same thing on the road. And that could be bad for you know, all these sort of ancillary wide receivers, especially you know, Terrence Williams, who doesn't seem to get open ever. No, he just doesn't seem to get out of bounds when he oh. needs to. Idiot. Let's go. Let's go on to the Redskins. Idiot. Uh, Cousins, I think he can bounce back. Hopefully he does. But um, missed, some, missed some big throws. Uh, looks like, as I've been saying all offseason, they've got no shortage of talent at the receiver and tight end situation. Um, Crowder seems like he's going to be a nice uh, nice fallback plan. And uh, Garcon had some nice plays as well. So, uh, Doxon, I don't think they had in mind to play him quite as much as they did, but they were down and kind of got some play at the end of the, in the fourth quarter. But, damn, that's a lot of talent. So, we'll see if they can grow and, and uh, be a little, uh, get a little better. I'm not going to uh, hit the panic button on, on Cousins yet. Uh, sometimes I like somebody getting uh, mud on their face so that they can kind of wake up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, here's how I think of it. He's got mud on his face all right. <laughs> he missed a lot of throws. Like, he just threw it into the ground, he threw it high, and he just didn't look very comfortable. And, you know, he was at home, what was sort of going on there. Um, but Matt Jones completely struggled. And oh. This offensive line didn't look great against, you know, the... They went in, I mean, Pittsburgh, blitzing Pittsburgh, went out and played zone on, like, 80% of their plays. And he just didn't look prepared for that type of look. The game plan didn't seem to match up what was going to happen. But then, you know, we saw signs of life from Deshaun Jackson. Early, we saw a lot of Jordan Reed and then sort of dissipated. And then we saw a little bit more of Vernon Davis uh, in the end as well. So we saw all of these new pieces that they (laughs) had. Can I tell you something for a second? I I, I had flashbacks when I'm watching that game because I forgot that Vernon Davis was on Washington. And I'm seeing Dan, I'm like, is that Fred Davis? Is uh, Fred Davis back in the league? Fred Davis, I love it. Well, I think in, in general, I, I agree. It's it, it's uh, it was it was tough, and then they finally get down to the one on the one play, and uh, you know, you get, you get uh, Thompson gets the gets the goal line. Uh, so, as someone that's been a truther for Matt Jones, uh, not happy to see that. But I think just situationally, the whole team was terrible. I mean, they had so many penalties. They were just they were just. They just looked like a terribly coached team. They just looked like they weren't prepared. They they just the eye test on the whole team just with them panning to Gruden with Gruden announcing you know the whole time it's like Jesus Christ this this team's not coached well right now. No, but the other thing is that when I look at this week though, I think Matt Jones is going to have a better week, a much better week. He's going to get more than seven rush attempts. Okay, you look at the Dallas defense. This Dallas defense 
they're not super strong either. You know, Sean Lee is the glue that holds that together. You got, when your two best players are Sean Lee and then probably Barry Church uh, on the defense. So you're talking about linebacker, great, but then safety. So is he a corner? Safety. Safety. So I, I look at this as this is where Jones should be able to exploit. They're going to have a much more balanced attack. It's not going to be a very high-scoring game. This is going to be one of those ones that's probably going to be in the 21-17 range, somewhere around there. Let's see. Let's just remember that the Dallas Cowboys' whole goal right now is to slow things down on other defenses. Like, when they're on defense, they're just trying to slow down other offenses. And then their offense is meant to be ball control. Keep the ball away from the other offense. Uh, the amount of pass attempts by... Uh, Eli Manning last week, well below his career norms over the last two years. They just take the air out of the ball and take the number of plays that this defense has to play down, and that's just bad for the volume for guys like Matt Jones. And, you know, it doesn't matter for Deshaun Jackson because he's not a volume player, but guys like Pierre Garçon and, you know, uh, Jameson Crowder, when they take the whole volume of the game playing down, they don't get many pass attempts, and then, you know, that's not great for fantasy purposes. I understand what you're saying, but what I'm, what I'm saying is that if you can get Matt Jones to at least get 15 to 18 touches, he does have the ability to break it and give you the big play. So, and this is a defense that he can exploit that big play against. I know that they're going to slow everything down, but I still think that the prospects are a lot better for him in this game. Cool. We're going to have to speed through a couple games. We're not saying the next two are them because I think those games are pretty good. But we got we to pounce through a few different games or we are going to break records here. Um, all right, so Bengals at the Steelers. Um, A.J. Green had his uh, breakout game. We, we always know he... He's a frustrating own, but uh, maybe not this year. He's ready to go uh, and lit it up uh, against a good player. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys thinking on the Bengals side of the ball? Kind of uh, burn through those, and then let's talk Steelers. I mean, this has got to be another AJ Green type of game, but he seems to have, you know, some struggles here and there against the Steelers in his career. He doesn't put up his high end games against this team, but we know the Steelers are good at stopping the run. That's sort of how they're building their defense. They want to stop the run first. That means bad things for a guy like Jeremy Hill, even though he got a vulture touchdown again last week. But, you know, that means good things for Gio Bernard, potentially. But have you seen Ryan Shazier cover a running back? Because that guy might be the best coverage linebacker outside of Luke Keekly in the league. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> great game. That guy can cover anybody. So if you're. You know, thinking Geo might also have a great game just because of you know game script, keeping up with this uh, you know high flying offense. You know, I might want to think again just because of Ryan Chazier. But if you're picking between the two running backs, I'd go Bernard over Hill again this week. You know, they just want to stop the run. Then it's AJ Green. You know, the corners aren't there great. Uh, so we'll see. And the other the other question that uh, you know, everyone's expecting: Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd. Brandon LaFell, uh, now granted, he's only on four targets, but he caught them all for 91 yards. What the, I'm, I'm sitting there, what the fuck is going on here? So you look at it right now, I'm not telling anyone to bail on Boyd. I'm just saying that, you know what, it's, now you, you see what they're, what they're looking at. This is a team that basically has returned almost everybody. They go to the playoffs every stinking year. They're just trying, they're going to play the most competent guy at the time. Boyd will end up taking over this position because LaFell will do what he always does and it's going to end up falling apart. He had a nice game. 
It is nice being able to play opposite of A.J. Green, but Boyd should, within four weeks, be back in that role and finishing out the year. Plus, he's the starting slot receiver, and that holds a lot of value. So, other games, it's not going to be all A.J. Green. It can't be. They're going to roll more coverage over his way now. We saw how that offense, you know, when they weren't able to get the ball to A.J. Green early, we saw how it struggled. Let's remember AJ Green didn't have a catch like in the first. <laughs> Let's also know that AJ Green had 13 of the of the 30 pass attempts thrown his way. Yeah. Boom! Wow. Giant market share, and that's something that's expected to continue. Yes, it will. Uh, let's can we move on to the Steelers? Sure. All right, Steelers. I like your tweet. Uh, I wish I wish I had tr- the trust in anyone as much as Big Ben <laughs> has in uh, Antonio Brown. Obviously, the truth. Uh, Antonio and Ben, that is a connection for the ages. Uh, and then you got old-time Williams uh, throwing up a monster game for people like Houdini and others. Uh, we'll see. You got two more of those left, uh, two opportunities before Bell gets back. Um, what do you see for this uh, this matchup? Are the Bengals up to snuff to kind of put the silencer to a bigger, better degree uh, on the Steelers? Uh, and also, you got to like what you saw, saw out of the little, the little guy, Ike. Yeah, I mean, uh, we saw it last year. This is a team that knows how to slow the Steelers down a little bit. But the Steelers are at home, where Big Ben always seems to play better. So you've got that sort of split running. Eli Rogers looked like revelation. Marcus Wheaton wasn't out there. (laughs) Sammy Coates, uh, the only thing that he did right was let the ball bounce off of him for Eli Rogers to catch. (laughs) He had a couple good plays. I think he caught two for 58. So he was able to stretch the field on occasion. But he just looks awful sometimes. Yeah, great block. He had a great block on that one, uh, Willie D'Angelo run. Yeah, I mean, not, some... not that scores any fantasy points, but at least it keep, at least it's going to keep him in the good graces of coach. Uh... Yeah. Also, Marcus Wheaton was out. Can we see Marcus Wheaton back in the lineup? How does that affect Eli Rogers? We know they like Eli Rogers in the slot, and they don't plan on moving him out of there. You know, that's sort of how they started off with Antonio Brown, though. Antonio Brown used to be a strict slot receiver, and then a couple years later, you know, now we know what he is. Mm-hmm. I called Eli Ike. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who's this Ike guy? Ike's, Ike's the one guy from the Steelers that I hate whenever they've got, like, the NFL 100. He gets more interview, more FaceTime than Ike Taylor. He's always talking, like, Jesus, enough with Ike Taylor on the Fantasy 100. Hey, well, you know, because isn't he also the guy that was the uh, pro marijuana for uh, recovering? From injuries, I think he was also an outspoken guy on that. I'm starting to like him more. There you Uh, go, see? Well, you guys mentioned earlier uh, Jesse James, not the wild, wild west, but uh, when uh, Ladarius Green uh, was the big signing of the offseason, and now James, uh, Jesse James had a lot of, what do you have, seven Seven, targets? Seven targets. Um, And looked all right, you know, his blocking leaves something to be desired. Uh, but they'll just—they're smart enough to figure out how to use them and keep it going. I think. Uh, let's kind of close out I, this with some thoughts and move on to uh, the next. Jesse James looks like Heath Miller, but not as good of a blocker. He just looks like he's the guy who's there. He's—he's he's a jag. Like he's not going to be a great tight end for you, but he could get a volume of targets just because this offense lights that little checkdown on occasion. You know, five to seven targets a week, and he might get 30 to 40 yards and an occasional touchdown. He kind of looked like a deer in headlights, kind of like Ertz did his first couple years. Like, whenever he's playing, he'll, like, make a catch and get the first down, and he's like, oh, shit, thank God I did that. Thank God. Thank God that happened. Um, All right, let's move on. Before we head to the next game on Sunday, let's listen to this. 
All right, let's go back and uh, hit the Saints, who um, are going to be up at New York Giants. Is it called the Meadowlands, or what's it called? MetLife Met Life Field? MetLife Field. MetLife yeah, Field. I think that's um, right. Anyway, I was actually watching the, uh, uh, the Bill Belichick uh, football life the other day. It's a two-parter. Guy got a two-parter, and uh, they were... He was in there right before they took down the Meadowlands and uh, getting emotional thinking about all those times that he was uh, with, with coach was with Parcells and all that stuff. I love the NFL. Val Valverdes. Oh yeah. Let me explain something about the rug. Do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Excuse me. Sex, the physical act of love, coitus. Do you like it? I was talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex? You mean coitus? <laughs> um, Alright, let's hit the Saints first. What do you got, Stag Party? Start everybody except for maybe Kobe Fleener, but <laughs> if there's a time to start Kobe Fleener, it might be against these Giants that just gave up a big game to Jason Witten and have you know struggles in, at their linebacking position. This might be a game to do so. Uh, plus, at this point, have you found a replacement? We, we used to talk early in the offseason about how tight end looks nice and deep. And now tight end looks fucking thin. It looks like Jordan Reed and, you know, Rob Gronkowski is even a question mark. Jordan Reed, Kelsey, Olsen. That's about it. You know, Gary Barnage doesn't, ends up with the goose egg. Delaney Walker underperforms. Ertz did all right, but now he's got to yeah, screw some injury. His rib popped out apparently, and it yeah. just doesn't sound good. And he kept playing. <laughs> and he kept playing. Yeah, that, he's kind of. But let's see. Everybody, you're probably playing on the Saints. What happened in this game last year? Was it 52 to 49? Oh, they yeah. scored 100 combined points. That's right. You know what? The Saints are going to be in a lot of shootouts, like they were in Week One. Uh, I think that only continues. But you mentioned the guy who, who might not want to start, Kobe Fleener. You screwed me once, Kobe. Don't do it again. Let me tell you something, Pandero. You pulling any of your crazy shit with us, you flash a piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Aren't they making a spinoff with just that guy? What's the, what's the character's name again? That actor, I face his name. The Jesus. Yeah, the Jesus. I think they're right now they're shooting... Uh, an offshoot film of this, uh, uh, the Big Lebowski, that he's the star of. Well, that, that's crazy, because <laughs> do, do you remember the other part about the Jesus? Fucking Santana, a creep and roll, man. Yeah, but he's a pervert, dude. Yeah. No, he's a sex offender, with a record. He did six months in Chino for exposing himself to an eight-year-old. Huh. When he moved to Hollywood, he had to go door to door to tell everyone he was a better ass. What's a better ass, boy? Shut the fuck up, Don. the Saints. Pretty much, you want to start everybody. Let's see, Willie Sneed, last year against these same Giants, 6 for 70 and 2. Brandon Cooks against these Giants, 6 for 88 and 2. Uh, Marcus Colston, who's now filled by Michael Thomas. Eight. He's filled by Michael Thomas? His Quite role. Is. Oh. <laughs> His 814-1. 
Ben Watson. I almost, nine. Bro- I almost broke you there. Yeah. <laughs> nine. One forty-seven. One. Start everybody on the Saints offense. On the other side, Odell Beckham had three touchdowns. Start him. Shane Vereen got a touchdown in like eight receptions. You can start him. I think you can start Rashad Jennings. I think you can start Sterling Shepard. Victor Cruz is one of those long shot guys. The only question mark you really have on the Giants offense is the tight end position is who to start, if anyone. Yeah, yeah. Jennings. Jennings underperformed, but... No, he said start Jennings. I, yeah. Well, I'm just, but he, had, he didn't have a great week one. No, he didn't. But again, this is what is great about the Saints, the Saints as a team. They are like a fantasy goldmine to follow all year round because their defense has trouble stopping anybody, forces their offense to have to put the points on the board. This is an offense under Sean Payton that just doesn't know how to grind the clock out and win a game, you know, 14 to 10. This is a team that has to win like 34 to 28. Yeah. You know, that, that's kind of the games that they are always in. So I like Eli Manning in this game. I, I, you know, you saw what Derek Carr was able to do last week, and you saw the, the big plays that were available. You also saw some some nice running uh, uh, against the Saints. You know, they gave up the big 75-yard run to Jalen Richard. Um, you had Latavius Murray, who was who was pounding them all day. He looked very strong in that game against that defense. So I, I'm I'm feeling confident. This is another one of those ones where I also look at DFS. I think I'm stacking in this game. I'm stacking a lot of players. And I think that just the only thing I temper myself is if you're looking at Breeze as a starter, just remember that you're outside of the dome, you're on the road. He does not fare as well when he's playing outdoors. So I would actually probably put more of my stock in this one in the New York players for DFS plays. And I think it gets probably some better bargains. Cool. Can we move on to the next game? Yep. Dolphins at the Patriots. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so the Dolphins get Seattle, and then then they get the Patriots in week two. So what? A, how, who are we starting with? The Dolphins? Yeah. Yeah. How about that drive at the end of the game, and then they just blow it for Tannehill? I don't know. I didn't see it. What happened, Tommy? Usual. You drove all the way down the field, and, and then it was just... It blew a kick, or Tannehill threw an interception? They shit the bed, as Don would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I pretty much uh, would, would would expect such a thing from that team. Um, did Lan- you know? In all honesty, I don't know much about this game. I kind of uh, didn't get much Dolphins uh, viewage uh, for, on Sunday. Um, That's because you know they didn't score much. No. Let's they, see. They were, they were, the only TV I would have got, I was at bars, would have been the red zone TV, so they weren't in the red zone. They weren't on the, that side of the field too often. I mean, no this, this week they play the Patriots well. They give Patriots good games typically. Uh, you know, the Dolphins' defense looked really good, which was a big surprise going up against Seattle. Uh, they were like a 10.5-point underdogs, and they played into, what, three points? Yep. Uh, looking in... Jarvis Landry is still the centerpiece of this offense. Devontae Parker might play, might not play. At this point, he's not playing on your fantasy team, so don't worry about it. Jordan Cameron is not playing on your fantasy team. Jordan Cameron does what he does every week. gives you either one or two catches in about 15 or less yards. This last week, he gave you two catches and gave you six yards. Thank you, Jordan Cameron. I mean, you're not starting Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the guys you're considering starting on this team are Jarvis Landry and Arian Foster, who, what, 17 touches for 100 yards, but pretty much 
all his yards or half his yards came on exactly one play. So other than that, he was 16 for 50. And he gave you that play early in the game, too. So, so you were down off. Off, you're like, yeah, 50 yards off the start. I'm going to have a big week. No. Hey, any week where Aaron Foster comes out healthy yeah. is a good week. <laughs> Let's move on, to the, move on to the next one. All right, uh, Patriots, is Gronk going to play? Got me. Yeah. Questionable, questionable, questionable. That was a big move by Bilicek all offseason. They, they, he must have been a little more banged up than they were leading on to. Where a guy that's going in the first round in fantasy drafts could have... Come on, help 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 us out. help us fantasy people out. We're paying your we're paying the goddamn checks, you bastards. Well, you want to know what the how about the fact about what Jimmy Garoppolo looks like? Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You know, this is one of those things where you go, oh, okay. If you're in the uh, a fan of any other team in the AFC East, you're like, finally. Brady gets his damn suspension. We got four weeks. We got no Gronkowski. They're gonna go on the road to Arizona. This gonna we're gonna get on them early. No, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, throws 264 yards. Throws only the one touchdown, but doesn't throw an interception. Made smart decisions with the football. Was extremely efficient in his passing. Um, he, uh, you know, it. it he got to hold on to the ball a little bit better. You know, I think he had two fumbles in the game, but. Um, but for what you're looking at without Gronkowski and uh, where he was like basically Edelman was his main man early on in the game um, and then it was a lot of dump offs to James White that we saw I was surprised that we actually saw a little bit of Malcolm Mitchell there toward the end of the game and I'm wondering now the entire game no targeted White but he you know he finally started to do his damage later in the game yeah. is he going to be a guy that can step up his role because here's a guy that I think you know it's still undefined as far as really what's going on and who they can trust in that wide receiving core, but I worry for him that there's just too many guys there. The thing is, he's playing ahead of Danny Amendola already as a rookie who missed a lot of preseason with that injury. That's a good sign for this guy early. Uh, but who knows how this offense changes. You know, they ran a lot of three wide receiver sets this week, you know, without Gronkowski. You know, basically Martellus Bennett and three wide receivers, you know, LeGarrette Bunt and the single back. That was their base offense this week. That's going to change with Gronkowski back in the fold. It's going to be a lot of Martellus Bennett and Gronk and then two wide receivers. And Chris Hogan is expected to fill the second wide receiver role uh, on some occasions rotating with mm-hmm. Malcolm Mitchell, which could limit both of their upsides. So don't go race into the waiver wire for a Chris Hogan. I mean, if you can get him on the cheap, I think it's a good pickup as I feel like he'll get better once Brady comes back and they spread it out even more. Uh, but for now, temper your expectations with Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, let's, I want to ask you a question because I want to know where you guys stand on a guy that, that and I think that we have differing opinions on. Where are you right now on James White? Because I was seeing a lot of uh, second opinion questions coming in, people asking questions. Oh, should I pick up James White? Is this a guy that I should be starting this week? And You know what? I'm I'm just not a believer. I I think that he is basically relegated to being a receiving back, um, which maybe can pay off in what some of these PPR leagues. But again, I look at his role being completely eliminated once you get Deion Lewis back in this offense. When is that? That's not for a while. And also, does that does this, does this guy's uh, White's role change when Brady gets back, which is definitely earlier? 
Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I think I like White because he takes that. He's he fills that volume that Lewis. But what I liked even more is the grind that, that we got out of Lequeur Blunt. You know, they gave him what 22 carries, and he was able to grind it out. I and for a guy that's coming in that you were getting in the uh, in the teens in drafts and rounds. You're loving that because they're just basically going to say with this Garoppolo games, hey, LeGarrette, we're going to hand the ball off to you and trust you. He can have better games than that off of 22 carries. Yeah, and let's, remember, yards. let's remember he got back in the lineup after fumbling. You know, we saw the fumble, you know, recovered by Arizona, and you're like, all right, see you later, get LeGarrette one. <laughs> and he got back right in the lineup on the next series. I think he got the first handoff. So he is in Bill's good graces. For now, once Brady's back, that'll change. But you know, when you've got a shorter le- or longer leash because of the you know essentially rookie quarterback, that's what you're going with. Yeah, that was a great hit on him too, wasn't that by Khalees Campbell? Yeah, and just helmet answer. right onto the football, and he had it wrapped up too. I'll say one thing: as someone that drafted Goskowski in every league, 13 points week one, won one league by three points. If I hadn't gotten Goskowski, that guy's so good. It's well, just I'll, legit every every week, right there at 13. My favorite kicker, who's always been on every one of, one of my, at least on one of my teams every year for the past since he's been in the league, Dan Bailey. 24 points in my league last week. Yeah, two 50 yarders and a, and a 20 and a 30 yarder. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good time. Um, in that game, well, we'll talk about him when we get back to the Cardinals. Uh, obviously, the Patriots snuck one out against uh, one of the other teams that's considered a, a heavy Super Bowl contender. Um, can we move on from the Patriots? Yeah. Yep. All right, let's get to the Chiefs. Are going to be at the Texans. Chiefs, Texans, Chiefs, Texans. I think we saw this game in week one last year, and that was the game in which, what, Travis Kelsey had a two-touchdown game. And, you know, what they were able to do against the Bears sort of tight ends, pseudo-tight ends, whatever you want to call them, because they're not very good. They just <laughs> line up at tight end. So, 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 Travis Kelsey's got a good matchup going against these guys without Brian Cushing, who looks like he's going to be out four weeks with an MCL uh, tear. So that I think it's from the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. J.J. Uh, Watt got back in. You know, he looked good. Whitney Merciless is one of the most underrated players in the league. Jadavion Clowney made some explosive plays uh, against the Bears offense. So I'm worried about some players on this team – but then we saw the Chiefs sort of, after they fell behind big, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, time to chuck it. And they chucked it. And Alex Smith finishes with, what, a top five quarterback? Spencer Ware is going to finish as a top five well, running he, back. Was that, a career, was that a career high for Alex Smith, 363 passing yards? Because, I mean, I have, I got, maybe I, I'm going to do a quick look at his game logs and, and see how many 300-yard games this guy's had in his career. Because it's not very many. But yeah, he 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 looked all right, and thank God, Kelsey. I was worried about Kelsey and was able to stow, stow him in a couple of leagues where I thought I in one league that I thank God I won this week. But I uh, and I won't try. I'm trying not to talk about my leagues too much. I know that we try not to do that, but just get so excited. Uh, started a Fleener over a Kelsey. Kelsey obviously had ten points. Fleener point five. Thought that was going to cost me the week. Kelsey right back at it. I love that connection, um, I, I, especially while you've got Jamal Charles out. Jamal Charles is not going to be playing again this week. 
Definitely doesn't look like it unless there's some surprise. Hey, Jamal Charles is now ready. Surprise! We were just like Gronkowski last week. Oh, I don't think I'm on. Oh, I'm not on the plane. Surprise! <laughs> I mean, you never know in the NFL. You gotta stay on top of it till late in the week. Uh, Spencer Ware dominated, you know, dominated that game as a receiver. And that's where we really wanted to see him make an improvement from last year as he really struggled in that area. He looks like the clear guy to own, even though Sharkandrick West played the exact same number of snaps. Can I just give you some Alex Smith information? So three. I, he, before this game, there were three. And his high game was 386. He has played in 127 career games with now four 300-yard passing games to his credit. I think Ben Roethlisberger has at least four 300-yard passing games every year. Can you uh, write that down? You got you got your nugget for Alex Smith for there the week. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think if they don't fall all, fall behind big, then they don't have to throw you know the most pass attempts in the league in a week, and that's not something they want to do. I mean, Spencer Ware got 11 carries. That's not something they want to do, and they will try to establish the run against this Houston Texans defense that was pretty stifling against the Chicago Bears, but we're talking about two different calibers of offenses here. Well, but the Bears' offense looked good against them in the first half, and then they shut them down. I think they held them to 71 yards in the second half and just terrorized the hell out of them. So, you know, it's a stout defense. This is going to be a tough matchup for Kansas City. They almost got uh, shell-shocked and stunned by a not very good San Diego team at home, um, and that's where their whole game plan went awry. So, you know, I, I agree with you, though. I think you're going to have a more of a chance for them to have a more traditional type of a game. I don't think they're going to fall behind as quickly. I think this is going to be one of those really kind of a slug them out games with uh, the, the uh, first person to score 20 points is going to win this one. I think your stat needs to be rechecked because I think he had five career 300 yards. Oh, so, okay, so, I was, so I was counting the four before that one. Okay, so there you go. Sam, still, still, no, no, five uh, plus that one. So, no, i got to go back and look. Hang draft on. kit. Man, we ain't found shit. All right, I'll trust the draft kit. I was trying to go through a scroll, so. <laughs> I'm not trusting Fair my Fair enough. I'm not trusting my eyes. 111 games, that's still... 127 games. <laughs> That's still correct. Yeah, That's sure. That's crazy. <laughs> right, let's let's move over to the Texans. Will Fuller. Who knows? If he, if he hadn't dropped that one, he would have had a 230-yard uh, double-long touchdown game and just looking like uh, all-world. But And that was a full-on drop that would have been gone, gone, gone for a bomber. And, uh, and that, but he still looked great. He's our lead pickup guy for the week. <coughs> Excuse me. The, guy, the play that he made... That, that the screen pass that he has caught and he gone, that speed is ridiculous. And you you can't coach it. You, you can't contain it. He just has to be able to get better at making those catches that are perfectly thrown into his hands. The thing is, he's going to be a frustrating player to own, like Ted Ginn. Yep. So if you're going to spend your number one waiver priority, number two waiver priority to pick up Will Fuller, you have to prepare yourself 
for the anguish you were going to have in some moments. And I think what's going to happen is they're going to overcompensate for Will Fuller in coming games, and Braxton Miller is going to have some great opportunities. Because I thought, in while watching that game, that Brock was dropping back, and I liked what I saw out of Brock. And it looked like everyone was open. The whole field out there was spreading, and um, it just looked like it just looked like they've got so much talent at receiver. It's, it reminds me of the Redskins, but uh, wow, it's, it's pretty awesome. Obviously, uh, our boy Hopkins. Well, th- th- that that was not a catch. I'm going to say it right now. That was not a touchdown. I love Hopkins. I'm happy, Elbow was I'm happy out. Yeah. Got it. Elbows out. Right foot. Other foot did not hit the ground. I don't know if there's a rule that I don't know about, but that is it. One, one knee, one knee, is, one knee is two feet. Two feet. Okay, yeah. so right. it was close. But the other thing is that, that you got <laughs> to realize. But his elbow was down. But one this knee? is the other problem that you First, have. I, here's the problem I have for people that are owners of Nuke. Because what you had the benefit of, of the past uh, two seasons with Nuke is that you have the aging age, Andre Johnson there in that first year, right? But then Andre was gone last year, and you saw it was just all Nuke. Everything had to go to him. Well, now you added the Will Fuller, you're adding your Braxton Miller, you're adding other guys out there, so when they're covering Nuke, these other guys are getting open. Where last year, with even with Jalen Strong, he wasn't. None of these other guys were getting open. Cecil Shorts, uh, you know. So it was. You know what? I'm forcing it into Nuke, and I'm going to take my chances. And he made plays. Now what happens is that that volume of targets seems to come down a little bit because of the uh, other talent that's added into it, and that's going to hurt him in some facets. Now. When these guys perform well, then that means that people are going to start pulling those double coverages off of him. So early on in the season, if those other guys start doing well, it actually could benefit Nuke later. And this is one of those ones where I would tell you that owner, like you know, you're talking about the Des Bryant owners, who are unhappy and wanting to trade him. If you get Nuke to keep putting up a couple of games like this because these other guys are starting to, to be the complementary pieces that they want as, a, as an organization, Nuke will be at a bargain value in trades, and you should go get him because he's still going to be awesome when it's all said and done. I mean, we sort of knew that going in. We knew that Nuke was going to get you know, 187, 200 targets with all these new passing game weapons, including Lamar Miller in the passing game. So we just knew the targets were going to come down. Now we're just hoping for a slight efficiency boost to redirect. Uh, Lamar Miller, what, most carries he's ever gotten in his career? Most touches he's ever gotten in his career? Performed, given the touches? Uh, even though, you know, late in the game, those were a lot of just garbage time, get two yards, go down, you know, garbage time carries. We'll see. Lamar Miller, much... You know, do we think this is a tough matchup after seeing what Spencer Ware was able to do to these guys without, you know, Justin Houston on the field? I'm not scared of the Kansas City Chiefs. You're talking about, you're talking about um, Danny Woodhead? You said Spencer Ware. They're going against Spencer Ware. Sure. Danny Woodhead, right? Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon looked great. Danny Woodhead looked great. They all looked great against him. Okay. After seeing what they were able to do against, you know, this pass... What they would have like 40 fantasy points to the yeah. running back position. Pretty they good. got smoked. If you could start Lamar Miller as a top three running back this week, feel no remorse. He's going to get the touches. Well, you're, well this is the thing. It's validated after you see what they did in week one. Alfred Blue got one carry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And Tyler Irvin got what? One target? 
And he, had one, he had one rushing attempt too. So <laughs> this is a team and uh, that is going to feature Lamar Miller. They're going to give him the ball. And this is one of those things where you can feel better about him too. Because of all the lack of touches that he got in Miami, he actually comes in with uh, less wear on him. So he should be able to withstand the beating this year. It's fantastic. You didn't get have to pay up for him. In the, in the, you probably got him either at number four, five, or six as far as running backs going, depending on your league. And you're going to get the lion share workhorse back carries on a weekly basis. But I am, wor- I am worried about the workload and the body type. But look, until it happens, I'm worried about that with every player. He looks tough though. We're running inside though. He's not, not like, he, you know, it's not like it was in his first two seasons with Miami. Uh, retweeted uh, by Stags was via uh, Elias Sports. D'Angelo Williams and Lamar Miller were the only players to rush for 100 yards in week one. This is the first season opening week since 1993 that two or fewer players rushed for 100 plus yards. That just shows you the commodity at running back, the 100 yard games. It's what we thought it was. It's way down. And Lamar Miller is on the, the positive side. And as is now D'Angelo. And then will be uh, Le'Veon Bell. you, you got to think. Le'Veon Bell. Maybe, maybe Le'Veon Bell gets eaten into a bit by Williams. No one's going to be eaten into Lamar Miller. Uh, so... Um, keep your eye, and, and, the, and the value is, is there. If you can find yourself the running back that's getting the totes, um, that's, that's what you want because they're far and few between. Uh, let's uh, Can we go on to yeah, the next game? On. All right. Titans at the Lions. Unless you got something you really want to say about Brock Osweiler. Looked okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. He's got a tougher test. We've got Marcus Peters going up probably against... Nope, but then the rest of their corners got picked on, so we'll see. He did make some bad mistakes early. That the, the interception by Tracy Porter was more on him than it was on Tracy Porter making that pick on him. So, yeah. Porter. Okay, um, let's go Titans. The Tennessee Titans. Oh, Daisy the bone pick. Love DFS. My girl brought him home. She picked the Marco. Hey. Well, I just want to say thank you to the Titans um, as a whole because you allowed my Vikings defense to score 21 points on you. So I really appreciated that last week as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think after all is said and done, uh, DeMarco Murray, I had no idea why everyone was running away from this guy all offseason, even after the big games. It looks like he's, um, it's, it's that line. I don't know. There's something about that. That offense seems really ready to make DeMarco Murray look great. Hopefully DeMarco can, uh, can, can stay healthy, but I'm expecting just a huge year from him. Uh, it, it started off right away. Big runs, getting a lot of totes. Uh, he's going to get the touchdowns. So, um, the thing, the thing touch. is, his rushing line, pedestrian at best, yeah. 13 for 42. Where he really did his damage was in the passing game. He caught, what, five of seven targets? Uh, he was the clear third down running back on this team. Scored two of his touch or both of his touchdowns uh, in the receiving game. You know, Mark. That was happening in the preseason. He was he, lo- he was catching some great some great dump offs by uh, Mario. To, uh, so yeah, it's it's exciting to have that. It's not what you think you're going to get out of uh, a Murray, but it's uh, I'll take it. I mean, he's a guy who's I caught, was nervous. He's a guy who's <laughs> caught 50 passes before in his career. So that's a part of his game, a big part of his game. But I liked how the you know, coaching staffs used Marcus Mariota. They let him be mobile. They let him run the option here and there. They let him run the zone read. 
They allowed him to use his athleticism out on the edge of the field and get the ball to guys like Tajay Sharp. So they definitely well, moved let's, him around in the pocket. Now let's talk quickly about Tajay Sharp because here's a guy that with a bunch of jags, okay, that, that, that wide receiving court is a bunch of jags. Right. Harry and, Douglas is the definition of jags. Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, 100%. So Sharp gets 11 targets in this game. He is targeted more uh, double. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Andre Johnson was the next best. Okay, this version of Andre Johnson was next best was seven. So Sharp comes through seven for 76. He looks like him and Mariota actually have a good rapport going on. This is something that I think you're going to see going forward. Kendall Wright is not doing anything at this point in time. He had his play. He didn't play. Right. Well, 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 already hamstringed up. That's what I'm saying, though. He's not, he's not going, even when he comes back, he's not going to be that. He's, that, he's proven in his career. He's not that guy. He's not a guy that's going to be able to take over and be a number one on a team. Tajay Sharp has a chance to be able to take over and run with this thing because Rashard Matthews is a complimentary player. He's not a guy that can dominate on a play-in, play-out basis. So, you know... Depending on the week, though, I think Rashard Matthews and Tajay Sharp are going to share the one, number one wide receiver load. If you're looking at... But who do, you, who do you trust as being more consistent on a week-in, week-out basis? I guess Tajay Sharp, but he's also going to get the best corner. And as a rookie, I don't like that because that wears on guys. We saw how it wears on wore on Stephon Diggs. We saw how it sort of wore on Amari Cooper. It always wears on these guys once they get the better corner matchup when yeah. when they can, when they game plan for them and scheme against them. So that's something I'm a little bit concerned about. You know, in this sort of week, and it looks like if he's the clear number one now. How's it going to go going forward? But he's definitely the receiver to own on that team. He's probably going to be a weekly three flex area, uh, you know, on pretty much a, a given week. But then the thing is, it really cut into Delaney. Well, that was what I was going to ask because where are you on Delaney? I'm, I'm a DEFCON 3 when it comes to Delaney right now. Um, it's not 100% as safe as it was before. This guy is normally was normally a target monster. Uh, what was it, five targets that he had in, in this game? So this is just not what I was expecting to see. Uh, I, I was always scared off Delaney. I didn't really like him at his ADP, and I his, knew his targets were going to come down with the infusion in the passing game. No question. This isn't a team that was going to throw it all that much to begin with, so lots and lots of questions. But I'm worried about Tajay Sharp this week going up against Darius Slay. Darius Slay is one of the best corners in the league. He was able to hold down T.Y. Hilton. Uh, to a fairly pedestrian T.Y. line. What do you end up with? Five for 71? Yeah. Uh, something like that. You know, not a great game on, by T.Y. Hilton standards. So, Tajay Sharp going up against probably the you know good corner and Darius Slay. We'll get our first test of what it really is. And that's why I'm worried about it this week. So, this could be more of a Delaney Walker game. You know, we saw the ability of, of what, DeAndre Levy coming back, being able to cover... You know, running backs and tight ends. So we'll see if Delaney Walker makes a rebound this week because the tight end position was just as a whole was down yep. last season uh, or last, last week. week. Yeah. But yep. from last season, uh, tight ends per team, you know, all the tight ends in the league averaged eight fantasy points a game. In week one, same sort of uh, league-wide statistic, just 6.2 fantasy points. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to the Lions. They actually uh, – did, did put up the points in, uh, in a barn burner against the Colts. Were able to come out on top. Uh, I think 
we all kind of thought they were going to be able to still put up. We, they were going to be able to put up points without uh, Calvin uh, Johnson, and and, <laughs> and now in Cooter's uh, little situation in offense, he's able to just kind of run with it. Well, I, I, w- I would warn everybody that, that is that was the Indianapolis Colts who have absolutely no defense whatsoever. Uh, when you look at Tennessee, I think it's gonna it's they're not a fantastic defense, but they're a much more stout defense at the point of attack. Uh, you know, once again, I think that you're going to see uh, the Lions are going to have to rely on Stafford and the passing game in this one. I That's mean, you I like. saw what Tennessee did to Adrian Peterson and didn't allow him to get going. You know, I'm not sitting here going that I'm, I'm a big fan of Amir Abdullah in this one. I think the Theo Riddick is going to be doing more of the damage in this one as a receiver. And uh, you got go ahead. I think circumstances are completely different between Minnesota and Sean Hill at quarterback and a team like the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford and their weapons on the outside. I think things are going to open up real good for Amir Abdullah. We saw him get the bulkload of the work, including some passing game work. Granted, that was a lot when Theo Riddick went down, but... He is going to get plenty of work. I mean, they can't stack the box against the Detroit Lions because Matthew Stafford will have a field day. You cannot play eight in the box uh, against a team with Ebron. All they did was put eight, nine in the box every play against Adrian Peterson and dare Sean Hill to beat them. You cannot do that with a quarterback like Matthew Stafford. But I still like it for their passing game weapons. You know, Tate, what, he catch all seven of his targets for, for what, 41 yards? 41 yards. Um, the rest of the guys... Marvin Jones was able to make some plays. Four catches on ten targets, though. Yeah, definitely, but he was the guy with the most targets. But then we saw their running back, uh, Amir Abdullah, with five for five. We saw Theo Riddick, five for five. We saw Eric Ebron, five for five. Each with touchdowns. Uh, That's more an indictment on Indianapolis that we'll talk about later. Yeah. But... They've got weapons all over the field, and when you have that many weapons, I mean, it ends up being like a James White situation. Or when there's this many weapons, Amir Abdullah should get plenty of work. All right, well, we'll see. All right, well, before we get into this next matchup, let's listen to this. All right, and the last game of the early batch on Sunday is the Ravens at the Browns. All right, let's start with the, uh, the the road dog with the Ravens um, going into Cleveland. Um, you know what? I'm sorry. This, this this game is so interesting to me. Let's speed through it. Hang on. Let me give you what I think about this game. You see what happens? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? This is what happens. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass? All right. This is what that game. By the way, by the way, think of this is well, this should be a great game, and I love that. that that's one of my favorite bits in that whole movie, uh, Big Lebowski. By the way, and one of the best parts is if you ever watch the Big Lebowski when it's on TV, edited for television. Yeah. Do you see what happens, Larry, when you meet a stranger in the Alps? Do you see what happens? <laughs> that's their that's their overdose. I love that. When you stuff. meet a stranger in the Alps. Oh uh, yeah, that's hilarious. What um, let's tell everyone stag party. Was able to get his the, his opening music 
first time in three and a half or so years. Um, so, Stag Party, give us a little rundown on our opening and closing music. Oh, we are rolling with Sublime, one of my favorite bands. Uh, I think we went with, uh, oh, now I forgot. 40 Ounce. 40 Ounce to Freedom as the start, and then we're going to end up with Bad Fish, which is a mellow little vibe that you guys should dig. Nice. A bunch of hippies. Uh, <laughs> you hippies. Yeah, fucking hippies. Nice. <laughs> Uh, gone too soon. Gone too soon with the, the lead singer uh, right in their prime. Uh, overdose. So bummer. Well, stag party. Amen. He, he's he's asked to have that sublime track thrown in there, and uh, me and Houdini uh, Blythe were. You, 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 we'll have another. One. Kept, we'll have another one in 2018. I kept hammering away, <laughs> but sort of like going back to this game though. Did week one provide any clarity for what the Ravens' offense is? I, I think not. I, we know that it's a Mark Tresman scheme, so they're going to throw it more than they run it. That's about all we knew going into the season. We saw that. It's definitely not any clearer. We saw Dennis Pitta, the guy who's you know seemingly been missing for the last two, three seasons. He's the guy who leads the tight ends in the snaps. You know, pretty much making Crockett Gilmore, Max Williams, unownable in redraft leagues. But, you know, there's a chance he could get hurt down the line, monitors those guys all season long. Dennis Pitt is the guy to own at tight end. Interesting pickup after seeing, you know, what we've seen from the tight end position as a whole, because he's a guy who's done it before. Besides that, you know, Terrence West and Justin Forsett running as 1-1A one one at the running back position. No clarity. You know, Steve Smith getting back on the field, leading the team in targets, but then doing, what, nothing with those targets? Having one of the most inefficient days, like, of the weekend, Sands, Tavon, Austin? Uh, <laughs> besides that, the rest of the receivers, what they each have, four, five, six targets? Kamar like, Aiken, Mike Wallace, one big play. Right. But then Rashad Perriman, one big play. One play, yeah. Everybody seemed to have one play. Kamar Aiken had a play. But Steve Smith led this team in targets, and that's a good thing going forward. This is the thing where you look at the Browns and you're going to say, well, going against the Browns, shouldn't this be a situation where I should go after him? Because, look, Jordan Matthews had a good game against him. Nelson Aguilar, even if it's one play, but it was a touchdown play against him. Um, you know what? Even though it's the Browns and, and it's a divisional matchup, so I think the divisional matchups – uh, you also got to take into account the familiarity. Yeah, but what is the familiarity? Because it's Hugh Jackson, who's also a member of this, what, AFC, AFC North? AFC North, yep. But he's got a totally new team to work yep. around with a new quarterback. You know, what is the familiarity? Well, the familiarity that I see at this point in time is that if I'm looking at this game, I don't feel confident starting pretty much anybody on the Ravens except for Joe Flacco. Because at this point in time, if I'm going to take a chance... I will take a chance with with Joe. I know that uh, you know he's never been the road warrior as a quarterback, uh, but at the same time, against this defense, I think he's going to get some opportunities. So if you're in that deeper league or if you're looking for a cheap DFS play, I think that Joe Flacco is the only only player that I see as worthwhile going after right now this week I too mean, for Baltimore. Pretty much everybody else is a dart throw when we're talking DFS terms. You're throwing a dart and hoping something sticks. So is that going to be your your thing in the article this week? Dart throw. Any Raven outside of no, Joe Flacco. No. That, does, that doesn't help our listeners. <laughs> well, let's move over to the Browns. 
Um, and quickly before we do so, let me give a pyro promo. Uh, do us a favor on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to our podcast. Give us a, a review. Uh, you know, subscribe to us there first if you're not. If you just come across us randomly via Fantasy Pros or via you know looking in the uh, directory for fantasy football or searching for fantasy football, on whatever uh, platform you use to get your podcast, subscribe to us first. Give us a review on iTunes. Uh, give us a five-star rating. We're actually doing a contest between the Heavy and the uh, Pyro Podcast Light, which I'll uh, talk about in a little bit. And we're giving away uh, three uh, Walter Payton silkscreen posters. We uh, They're handmade. They're original art owned by the Pyro and, and created by Pyromaniac.com. Uh, only 85 of these were made, and they're uh, hand silk screened. And basically, at the end of, I believe, week three, we are going to do a raffle. So if you, not a raffle, if you give us a review and you give us a rating on iTunes, take a screen grab of it, email it to contact at pyromaniac.com, and let us know hey, I wrote a review on whatever site I'm on, whether it's iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, send it into us, contact at pyromaniac.com. And then right before, at the end of week three, we're going to do a little raffle and a lottery out of the people that have submitted those. And if you win, we're going to send you a, 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 a Walter Payton poster. Again, only 85 of these were made in honor of the 85 Bears. Uh, we're going to be moving and, and for, uh, doing contests like this and giveaways like this throughout the year to try to incentivize you guys to help us uh, grow our stature and get more ratings, get more uh, reviews on iTunes. So take a chance to uh, help us out. If you listen to the show on a regular basis and you haven't gone over there and done this, it's helpful for us. It just gives us a better stature to get on a higher, uh, a higher level on iTunes. So uh, give back to the community. What's that? Help us help you. Yeah. Help us help you. There you go. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good move. <laughs> it's a good plan. If you haven't told me how we're going to get her back, where is she? That's the simple part, dude. We make the handoff, I grab one of them, beat it out of them. Huh? Yeah. That's a great plan, Walter. That's fucking ingenious, if I understand it correctly. It's fucking wild. That's right, dude. The beauty of this is its simplicity. Once the plan gets too complex, everything can go wrong. There's one thing I learned in NAM. <laughs> Well, let's see what the plan is for the Browns now that RG3 has a broken bone in his shoulder. And, uh, wow, that was quick-lived. <sighs> so we go, over to, uh, we go over to McCown. Um, does this help out the offense and all that good stuff? Does this help out Corey Coleman? You want to know who it helps out big time? Gary Barnage. Because everybody was like, what happened to Gary Barnage? Gary? Who's Gary? Gary? Yeah, I mean, his stat line with Gary Barnage uh, versus any other quarterback for the Browns last season was like a Gronkonian pace of 90 catches and 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, against the other guys, it was more like 50 catches for 600 yards and three touchdowns. Like, it, it's bad. It's bad. So, we'll see how it changes. I don't know. If, I think it's still a huge accent offense now. To where they're not going to just chuck it around like they chucked it with McCown last time, where he was uh, attempting upwards of 40 or 50 passes. I mean, they might have to this week, uh, going up against Baltimore, who looks stout against the run again, and that's sort of their MO. Terrell Suggs you know, looked revitalized and was able to put pressure on the quarterback 
as well as stuff to run. So eh, Isaiah Crowell doesn't look like a great play this week, even though he scored a touchdown for you last week. And he's going to be an interesting guy all season long. But now that sort of RG3 is gone, he doesn't have that you know rushing quarterback effect. Right. Which hurts. But now we might see more dump-offs to Duke Johnson because Duke Johnson is another guy who saw a little bit of an uptick with Josh McCown at quarterback versus other guys. You so, said dump-off to Dukes. That's number 26, so you, we got shit all over the place. And it's the it's on the Browns. I just had to fill that in. I was giving my dog Madison, you know, shit <laughs> shit talking, literally. Alright, where is the dirty talk? Uh, but the wife goes out and owes money all over town and they pee on my rug? They pee on your fucking rug? They pee on my fucking rug. That's right, dude. They peed on your fucking rug. Go ahead, buddy. You're in the shit. I gotta go piss. Let me come on. Go ahead. All right. Uh, so these wide receivers, what are we? What to expect out of them? Terrell Pryor made a couple of nice grabs, but then just wasn't there a lot of the time. They just don't seem to have a guy who can run a simple route. And if they're not going vertical, they're struggling. They they don't. This is the whole point. They. There is no consistency with any of the wide receiving threats that you have out there right now. What these guys are in dire need of is Josh Gordon to be on the field to take pressure off of them and let them not have to, you know, because Corey Coleman is going to struggle until Gordon gets back. You're, you're going to see, I think that the, the guy who's going to get the major uptick is going to be Barnage. And, and I agree with you that I think Duke Johnson is going to be a much more active guy in their passing game at this point in time. But... Terrell Pryor, Terrell Pryor, like when it, okay, we're gonna look at Ohio State converted quarterbacks into wide receivers, and now we got Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller is gonna have a much better potential for success. Terrell Pryor might have a better chance of putting up points as a quarterback when Josh McCown goes down. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's trubs. Uh, anything else we got on this squad? Do you like Josh or do you like Josh McCown for Josh Gordon's return, or do you like him less? Something I, I'll like him for his return just because of his willingness that we saw when he was with the Chicago Bears to throw the ball up there to Alshon Jeffrey and say, you know what, I know I got a big receiver who can beat people down the field. I'm just going to throw it out there and let him go get it. So I think he'll give him his chances. Whereas RG3, I worry about him just. I know that McCown is an accurate pass, right? I just worry, is McCown going to be able to stay healthy? Who was the QB that was throwing to um, Josh Gordon ages ago when he Hoyer? had. When he had, was it Hoyer? When he, yeah, it was Hoyer when he, when he had that dominant season. Okay. Um, well, he had a bunch of different guys. In the dominant season? Remember he missed those first games? He missed the first couple games. He missed all the first two games, yeah. Um, I'm, I think you're right. Was Hoyer, Hoyer was in there for five because Hoyer got hurt too. Okay. Um, but I, like, I, I think in general, even though it looked like RG3 wasn't playing terribly, he was getting some running yards, he actually had some, uh, you know, 100, 100 he didn't have any touchdowns, but I think he, he was throwing okay. Uh, I think in general the whole team's better off with, with McCown. But he's old. He's curmudgeon. How long is things going to last? But I'm not worried about a Corey Coleman. He had he only had five targets, had a nice 69 yards out of it. So he's scoring you some points in standard. Um, it's his first game. I think in general, don't hit the panic button on everything. The tight ends will kind of fall into place. Players you drafted high are going to start doing something. We now, started started the show with that. Yeah, no, of course. Calm we're, down. It's week yeah. one. Yeah, we right. got to do that. And you got to remember too. Every year, week one, 
does not dictate what the rest of the season is going to be. Well, that's what I'm saying. And we're, and we're trying to do this through the uh, Pyro uh, Heat Index. Uh, you know, one of the things is this is our new model for, for doing player rankings on Pyromaniac.com. And one of the things that the Archer and Stag Party have been telling me and the other guys since day one, it's like, hey, man, we gotta, we got to let the weeks, we got to let the games, we got to let the stats, we got to let minutes played and, and downs hiked and, and throws and targets made kind of dictate and, and, and let this thing kind of marinate a little bit before we start uh, tweaking the dials too much on our model. And I think in general, uh, after one set of games, 60 minutes of football have been played. Don't worry about it. Let's see what happens. Now, if your players suck balls again this week, Start to get a little nervous. <laughs> right. If we three, they're still sucking. All right. And but also look at what was the moves. matchup. Look at what the matchup was too, right? Was it a tough matchup for the person? Was it was you know, there are other circumstances. That's why it's like you just don't always say, oh, well, I have Julio Jones, and he's going to have a great game every week. It doesn't always happen that way. A good thing to look at also for this, it's a part of the Pyro Pro offering, is the strength of schedule, first half of the season, second half of the season. There are certain teams, I think the next matchups for the 49ers, I think the next four games are all against teams that are, have potential of being in the Super Bowl. So things change. Like you said, matchups are important. So let's go on to uh, the next game, which is – Houdini uh, can't bitch this week because there are five afternoon games. So quad box quota can be hit. And the uh, the first one is the Seahawks are going to be at the Rams. So uh, down at the first game at the Coliseum since when? Since was that 96 or something? Uh, but the LA Coliseum will be holding a real NFL game, and it's going to be against one of the best teams. Let's start with the Seahawks who are visiting. Uh, a little scare for them with Russell Wilson banging up his knee. Seems like all, all signs are pointing towards him playing. Uh, God, that team would be a lot different if it was Boykin. Uh, their only backup quarterback on the team was an undrafted. No, they drafted him real late. Undrafted? He's so ballsy, Carol. Uh, so, what do you got to say about uh, what you, what you think with the Seahawks? And um... I think with the Seahawks is you know Russell Wilson might be in trouble is if they call Tavares Jackson That's sort of it. back out of retirement and institute him as the starter over Boykin. Um, that's what you really got to be worried about. If he gets a call and he's suddenly back on the team, that's what you got to be worried for Russell Wilson. But until then, you know, it's all systems go. He's back in practice. We saw, you know, this offensive line completely struggle. They were flat out bad against the Dolphins. And if the Rams play like they did on defense in the second half of the game, then this offensive line is going to be in trouble again this week. Uh, Aaron Donald, before getting ejected, was able to make some nice plays. They blitzed the safety. T.J. McDonald went quite a bit of times, and he was able to get through on Blaine Gabbard. You know, if that happens, things are going to be you know more of the same for the Seahawks offense, and that's a little bit concerning because this offensive line is just in shambles, and I don't know how they're going to suddenly fix that in a week, especially going up against one of the best front sevens in the league when when they want to play. Yeah, and the, that whole team, the Rams, as we spoke about a little bit earlier, they've got, they've got a chip on their shoulder. Everyone's been talking about how they're one of the top teams. Overall, they didn't play like it, so they're going to be coming all guns uh, guns firing. Doug Baldwin, start picking up right where he left off. 11 targets, uh, hauling in nine of them, almost 100 yards. Nice touchdown. 
let's be honest, this guy's, uh, I've probably been the one that's been down on him the most, and um, just, uh, this guy's legit, he's, I, I can't call him elite, he's not in the, uh, he's not tier one, but he's, uh, he, he's moving uh, into the back end of that tier two, tier uh, higher up into the tier three zone for wide receivers. Uh, it just looks like Russell Wilson loves and can count on him all through and through. And I, he's going to keep getting all these targets. You know what's interesting, too, is that after that huge second half that he had last year, you would have expected him to have a bigger bump to where you ended up being an ADP. And I think where he was actually going in ADP either comes in at about fair market value or a little bit of a, of a bargain the way that he's been targeted. Yeah, and it, it's just the thing with this offense. He's the clear wide receiver one who's going to be on the field for pretty much every snap of the game. They're going to rotate those wide receiver twos. So if you're looking for Lockett and if you're looking for Jermaine Curse to have a big game, it's going to be hit or miss. Uh, this week, I get going up against these corners, they might be able to have a, a little bit more success. We shall see. Um, but, yeah, Doug Baldwin looks like one of the driving forces of that engine. And then we've also, you know, we got Thomas Rawls back. And he was, he looks better as a receiver than he did as a rusher. And he's, not known, and he's not known as a receiver. So now, you know, him adding that part to his game is encouraging long term. But who knows how these guys are going to split up carries uh, this week, in week three, in week four. And we find, like, well, it's, as long as Michael continues to look as good as he did, it's not good for Rawls because this is one of those things where it's like when there's competition and and the way that teams like to do it now, this was almost basically a straight time show. It was 15 carries for uh, Michael, 12 carries for Rawls, so it was it was definitely a time show. What about Mike Florio on the Thursday night kickoff of the NFL saying before the game uh, started that he's hearing buzz that uh, Marshawn Lynch might come out of retirement. Uh, let's remember the last time we did our podcast that was, was, was before that news. It's kind of it's dulled down a little bit, but there was a lot of every league I was in, uh, someone picked up Marshawn Lynch. Uh, is that when you're talking about week four and week five? When 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 uh, Florio said he's going to make his mind up by then, um, is this in the mix? Is this dead? I've read things that his Lynch's friends are like he's definitely retired. He's, he's he's in Africa right now, having the time of his life, helping the world and making the world a better place. What are your thoughts? He's not coming back. He just did a thing where he was spent three days with Bear Grylls. Uh, doing like an outback uh, something or whatever in crazy land. So apparently, this whole story came from like a text message from a nephew of Marshawn Lynch's. So I don't really trust the sources. <laughs> you know what I trust? It is football. It is pro. Well, he's yeah, he's pro football. He's he's the NBC. What's his website called? It's Pro Football Weekly. Pro Football Focus. No, no, it's profile week. P P F W P F W. Yeah, weekly. That just shows you. We don't really listen. We don't really listen to what's going on. No, pro football talk. Yeah, pro football yeah, talk, yeah, but there is pro football weekly too. So yeah. right. that's just confusing. That it is. is confusing, but you know what's not confusing? Valverde's simple gameplay. Oh, oh that was the last one. That rock really tied the room together, did it not? Fucking a. This guy peed on it. Donnie, please. Go nuts, stag party. So how about Jimmy Graham making his return, you know, on that final drive, making a play to get them down into sort of field goal range. Um, And, yeah, 
He looked all right. He didn't get that many snaps. He's we'll playing. See. He's playing. He's before. playing. Well, after coming off that injury, I hear you. nobody expected him to play week one. So he's got that under his belt, and now he's going to get some more snaps and more snaps each and every week. So he's a guy you should consider adding to the back end of your roster. You just have to have the right tight end situation to do so. Yeah, in all honesty, he because of namesake, he was drafted in every league I was in. He he was he was pretty much taken just because it's Jimmy Graham. So if he is available with some of this, so what we've been talking about with the the down week one uh, with the tight end and the fact that he's actually playing there when no one thought it, I didn't think he'd be there at least for a few games. Yes, consider that uh, for sure. I think uh, can we move on to the other side of the ball, or you got anything else to say? I right. to move the Rams, and, and uh, before we get into them. Let's play the most exciting highlight uh, from the Rams game and Rams offense on the Monday night, second Monday night football game. And four, looks into the nickel of San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk. Jackson and Tech Mobile finally taken down by the Blue Coats. Good stuff. That is pretty good. He needed Bo Jackson's car in the new Tech yeah. commercial. Uh, that commercial's annoying. It is uh, annoying. Jesus, already sick of that one. We'll be seeing it all season. Uh, all right, let's go on with the Rams. They've already announced today that um, they're going to stick with the quarterback. It's not going to be uh, Goff. It's not coming right in there. Uh, so I'm already spacing his name. Jared Goff. Yeah, not not Goff. The, the guy. Case Keenum. Keenum. Make Keenum. a case for Keenum. Yeah, Keenum, who literally did not throw the ball forward for the first uh, half of the game. Uh, it was UGG City. People with shares of Gurley. Uh, let's talk about this team a little bit, but let's kind of burn through it. I'm I stayed away from Gurley in every league I was in. Um, just for this reason, how is this team going to be able to move the ball? How are they going to be able to put up points? He was great last year, but this is just Trump City. So, well, what are your thoughts? Let's just talk about this team in a, in a kind of a, a random roundabout uh, way. And well, in, in, in a random game, roundabout a way, you're right. It's Trump City. In a direct way for this week, too, it's 100% Trump City. Because every team, why would you... Do anything but stack the box and say, beat me, Todd Gurley, because you're not going to be able to if we're going to stack it on you. Because who is it going to be? Tavon Austin's going to beat you? No. It's, it, you know, who, who are the other weapons here? Is Isaac Bruce coming out of retirement? I don't think so. So I'm, Kenny Britt had some nice big plays, but yeah, that was about it. That's, but they're just a few plays. And also, before you go, I finally, in person, saw Brian Quick 
catch a pass. <laughs> After us talking about him on the podcast for four seasons, you never seen I, him actually. Catch I don't a think pass. I had ever seen him actually catch a pass. This so you flew to Los Angeles or no? No, I was alive. You said in person. Got a chance. Fair enough. Yes. So, but. <laughs> I'm gonna piss on your carpet. That's uh, not wrong, thank you. <laughs> so, oh god, that that team looks so bad. I don't really so have words bad. to say. Uh, the offensive line looked bad when they tried to get it to Gurley out in space on screen passes. They couldn't even figure that out because the linemen stopped running and then started running and then stopped running and then started running towards the defenders and let them all go. Um, Oh, it was so bad. I, I can't see any sort of positive in this game plan. What you're going to hope for is Goss being elevated to the second string quarterback this week. Mm-hmm. So if Case Keenum does have a struggle fest like he did there. Uh, it, I don't think, you think they're going to bring him out to have his first game experience against Seattle? No. no. They've already said they're not doing no, they're, they're, But he's already the second string. He's yeah, going to yeah. dress this week. So even if there's a little... Well, if he gets Case hurt, Keenum if he gets hurt. Him. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we've seen it before. <laughs> Whether yeah. he gets pulled out of the game or not. Um, but also, let's just think about this offensive line, Gurley, their weapons on the outside. It, it, the only person you should think about starting right now is basically Todd Gurley and Tavon Austin. And Tavon Austin only because he had 12 targets. Yeah. 12 targets of the lifeblood. Should you start him against the Seahawks? That is not what I'm telling you. But further down the line, he's a guy who might be on the waiver wire. But he's going to get plenty of looks. I mean, his the one the one play he had an opportunity to actually get some yards downfield. He dropped it. Yeah, he's an overpaid. So let me just let me just give you the Tavon Austin numbers in Seattle last year. Uh, he had four rushing attempts for 17 yards and a touchdown in the season opener, uh, and uh, he made two receptions for negative two yards in that game. <laughs> and and then they didn't play again until week 16 uh, of the regular season where he had three rushes for 12 yards and three receptions for 16 yards. So I, I just don't like this Five matchup. Five receptions for 14 yards is what you can expect. You want to know what you can expect in my tummy? Third foul, our guest has to be getting along, Mrs. Lebowski. Oh, you're funny. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Wonderful woman. We're all, we're all very fond of her, very free-spirited. Brain can't watch, though. Are you up to be hundred? No. <laughs> That's marvelous. <laughs> I'm just going to go find a cash machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sort of flattered that she thinks I have $1,000. <laughs> yeah. I like it. And the brand who could not watch was Philip Seymour Hoffman. A- abs- well, I was just thinking, you'll pay me 1000 and blow me? What am I, Brad Pitt? <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, Tyler Higby, a guy that I was excited to look at and see. Oh, jeez, did he p- fail the eye test? He didn't get that many opportunities, but again, <laughs> he was he was on the big stage, a little bit overwhelmed. I think this guy is someone that I like long term, but he dropped uh, he dropped all the passes heading his way. He caught one, but there was definitely one where Case threw it outside of him. I thought he did a pretty good job of getting open. I was, I was he's gonna he's an, he's a great talent. I thought he was 
one of their better playmakers on the outside. He will be the whole year. I think. He, I mean, I think that once Goff gets in there, Higby's going to be one, one of his greatest targets for the reason we talked about. It's a tight end. They're coming out together, and a rookie quarterback needs to dump it down to the to, to the biggest target that's uh, in the shortest routes. So I like Tyler, but just the, the eye test. Wasn't too happy with what I saw. Um, anything else? We can, All right, we can move, let's on. move on from this Dudski. All right, let's go to the other game: Buccaneers at the Cardinals. Oh wait, can I do my? Can I? I'm doing my Jameis happy dance. Yes, I told you Jameis Winston was gonna. Oh, we got look what he did last year. This guy's maturing. I told you, mother effer. What a game. Four Did, touchdown passes. Wait, didn't we also say relax about everybody else? So you also have to relax about Jameis Winston. No, because this is progression from one year to the next, and he commanded that offense. When you look at his decision to make that high point throw to Austin Safarian Jenkins, take the shot. It was a perfectly thrown ball. That ball was only going to be caught by his guy, or it wasn't going to be caught at all. And a and, catch. And also going for the jugular. One, ca- one of the best catches of the week. But also going for the jugular late in that game. Not, not saying, oh, we're, we're up. No, I'm going. Yep. And the way that he spread it around, it was phenomenal to watch. And you see how everything that I hear about players, like former players that are commentators talking about Jameis Winston, they go, this guy commands a huddle. This guy, you could hate him for all the crammed shit legs and all the stupid shit jumping up and all the things that he was doing in college. The guy gets it. And you know what? Uh, I heard uh, a, a guy on the radio this week. Um, he said uh, he will be, within two years or so, he can, this is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Sure. I, I definitely see the progression. I'm just also concerned. Remember, the shackles came off. You know, no more Lovey Smith. We know how freeing that could be for anybody. <laughs> First hand, we know that. But they so, kept him with the same, and they hired this coach, so they kept him in the same offense. Right? What I'm saying yeah. is, what you. they did is the shackles are now off the offense, which is good things for James Winston. But there's going to be times when this team still flows through Doug Martin and still flows through Charles Sims. But he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I'm just questioning the overall volume and if they let him attack the air like they do like that every single week. And going up against this Cardinals team yeah, is going to be a much a different task. I agree. I, I'm still allowed to do a happy dance hey, we're for week one. That's all I'm saying. We're happy for you. Hey, <laughs> I mean, your pick-to-click was good. My pick-to-click sort of sucked in Tyrod Taylor. His pick-to-click sucked on Monday Night Football. So you're one... I know versus 0 and 1, I guess. Whoop, whoop. I'm listening to Daisy for my, for my <laughs> fantasy advice. Her pick to click, she picked the right bone. Um, but yeah, I, but I, go on, I'll let you, I'll let you speak. It's, 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 it's refreshing to see uh, Winston come out of the season on that high of a note, spread the ball, three different tight ends scoring touchdowns. Go, go ahead, I mean, just, that, is, that is awesome. Who, who was the third one? Luke Stocker? No. What's this guy's name? Brandon Myers. Myers. He got one. ASJ My... did break it one? Break. Did he? No, break did not get a touchdown. Oh, I thought he threw the three different. No, it was, it was Charles Sims who made Sims other, other ridiculous, ridiculous run. I thought break got one. My bad. But let's talk about the tight end position. No. Because Luke Stocker led the team in snaps at the tight end position. Uh, ASJ got one target and scored that touchdown. Brandon Myers was up there in snats and scored a touchdown. And it's like, oh, this is – that's awful. Yeah, it is for, awful. For, for fantasy owners, picking out which guy is going to score out of this tight end position, 
because that's what you really need. And ASJ didn't get the targets. Brake got the targets for the tight end position. Oh, that's something I'm going to shy away from, but ASJ just has so much long-term upside, and you can pretty much see it why you like ASJ on one play. Yeah, he needs to get his head straight, and that's the thing, too. Like, the Brandon Myers touchdown, don't put any uh, stock into that one because that was one where it was a bootleg-type run that, that uh, Jameis was making. And this is, again, where I'm just loving the progression that I see in him. This would have been a play that he would have run trying to, to take into the end zone last year. The defender committed, he pulled up and made the easy throw to Myers, and, and Evans was drawing the double coverage in the back of the end zone and it became an easy touchdown. Yeah, but Vincent Jackson got just as many targets as Mike Evans. We obviously know who is better. That's something that's going to continue. Mike Evans is going to be a dominant player this season, and he did it against one of the best corners in the NFL. Now we have to see if he could do it against maybe potentially the best corner in the NFL, yep. and a guy who matches up with him size and speed-wise in Patrick Peterson. That's going to be a tough test for him. So I'll, I'll give you this. My, my close on, on, on Javis Winston for this is, is it more? Well, look, no, <laughs> only that this becomes a true measuring stick game. Yes, if know. you want to see where his real progression is now, he had a good game underneath his belt with the four touchdowns, is he going to be able to, is he going to try to force things into Mike Evans, or is he going to take what the defense is giving him? Is he going to make the right decisions, or is he going to get careless and turn the ball over? And I think you're going to see that I will be doing another happy dance next week. Ah, what do you consider in your measuring stick? Uh, he's going to get 260 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. Cool. Hey, you yeah, think he's gonna yeah, go yeah. off? I do. I, I, I think that this he, up, it's, it's upstairs. A, sometimes when you get a, a guy that's just turned the corner, and I also think that you look at this Arizona defense. I think they are going to commit to stopping Doug Martin. This is not a game that I'm liking Doug Martin. In. So you think Jameis Winston is going to score 50 touchdowns this season? No, but he's going to score three this week. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the Cardinals. I didn't talk about the season. <laughs> let's, Pace. Let's, Let's move over to the Cardinals. Okay, we got it. Houdini likes his Winston. Always has. This isn't going to change anytime soon. We're happy for you. Hey, hey, dog's gone. He he had the Peyton Manning. uh, Oh, no. I'm going to be carrying the Jameis Winston flag for the next 13 years of his career. Fuck me. Fair enough. You're screwed. So that's how many podcasts? Get used to it. (laughs) All right, Cardinals, uh, they are not happy. Uh, Nice drive. Come up and then... Chris Dizano or whatever the hell he Cat is. Zero. Cat blame, zero. Blame the snapper. It's all on the snapper. Snap's got to be perfect. It wasn't. Ball came out on its side. The holder tried picking it up, setting it right, fucked up the kicker, and yeah. You know, when you go cheap at a position, you go young at a position, that's what can happen. Too bad those long snappers don't get fired as quickly as uh, and maligned as much as uh, kickers. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Yep. This is what happens. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some of the big stars on that team. And we'll start off with um, the quarterback, Carson Palmer. What are you guys thinking for this game? Uh, Buccaneers. M- much better than the first game. <laughs> yeah. like Matchup it. just lines up a lot better. You know, Tampa, if they could score three touchdowns uh, through the air, this is going to be a, sort of a high-scoring affair where Carson Palmer is going to have to throw it. And Gerald McCoy and Levante David could shut down a run game. Uh, I don't know if they could shut down David Johnson, but they can shut down a run game. Uh, so this this lines up well. I look at David Johnson as, as a guy who 
is going to do more damage this week as a receiver. If, if they're smart, get them out on some swing passes. Get them out on, uh, on some on some misdirection uh, type plays. That's where I think he's going to be most effective. Now the question is: Is the resurgent old man going to continue? He's not his... even resurgent. This guy just never died. Well, he he, had, he did have a down two years. No, I know, was, I know. Last yeah. year he got he got himself white right back up, and now Fitzgerald comes out eight catches for eighty one yards, two touchdowns in the opener. Um, well, what you know, about got out for the big game, but then then you look at everybody else in that receiving court, no one really did it. But Michael Floyd got targeted, but. The thing is, we knew the matchups. We knew what the matchups were going to be. We said last week, play Larry Fitzgerald because he gets the rookie corner uh, in the slot. Michael Floyd draws a tough coverage of Malcolm Butler. And then the other guy is Logan Ryan and John Brown. And he just wasn't fully integrated in the offense. I'm worried about John Brown a little bit. I need to see him make a play before I am comfortable starting him after that display on what Sunday night. So now Michael play Michael Floyd got the targets and he made some explosive plays and that's what they want. They need that explosive plays and this is coming from the against the Patriots who their main game plan was to take out the deep sort of vertical stretch passing of the Arizona Cardinals. Tampa Bay I don't think has the talent on the back end of their defense to pull off a scheme like that. So we shall see if it affects these other guys if John Brown can step up. Well, one thing that Larry Brown mentioned, or not Larry Brown, sorry, Larry Fitzgerald, I was watching the Allen Iverson retirement uh, uh, or Hall of Fame induction, and uh, I don't know, I guess I started talking about Larry Brown. Um, Larry Fitzgerald announced, basically he's been telling people on the team this is going to be his last year. And then on Saturday, he's like, nope. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had another good game. I still got some more. I got to pad these st- Hall of Fame stats. Good. We don't want you going anywhere, Larry. The league's too good with, with you. As we've said in the past, Pyromaniac uh, launched in 2009. Um, the first character of our Pyro characters ever done, Larry Fitzgerald. The second about, one, Drew Brees. How about the fact that Larry Fitzgerald, for at least when I came into the podcast in 2011, uh, whenever we were looking in the offseason, this receiver is going to have a breakout year. Why? He went to Larry Fitzgerald's receiving <laughs> camp. Yeah. True. All right. Um, nothing happens ever at tight end in this, this team. Jermaine but Gresham showed up. Did he, I don't know did, what you're, did, did and, it wasn't, and it wasn't Darren Fells. What did Jermaine Gresham end up stat, stat line wise? Gresham had four for four for 41. Yep. He showed up. <laughs> He's an well, but no, let's not talk about him. Let's no. talk about David Johnson. <laughs> David Johnson. Sort of a great just mix of rushing yeah. mm-hmm. and receiving. Yep. And that's what we're going to see out of him. We saw the power. We saw the elusiveness. Love David Johnson. Love him this week against the Tampa Bay defense. I think he'll be fine. Matchup proof in this one. Start him. The thing about David Johnson, I want to for long term, I think he if he can just become a more patient runner. I think that's going to be the key for him because David Johnson talking about his patience, you know, he is becoming a more patient runner. And we saw that in sort of the, the career arc of Le'Veon Bell yeah. that when you add patience to your game, you could definitely take a, you know, huge step forward. Well, let's see. I'm excited to see what can happen. Uh, that, that game will be a barometer for sure for both teams, so it's pretty exciting. All right, let's go on. Before we go on to the next game, let's listen to this. 
Jaguars at the Chargers. Well, the Jaguars started off a little bit slower than uh, anticipated. Um, and the Chargers looked pretty, I don't know. Well, but the Jaguars had, had a tough matchup with the, with the Packers. So, you know, and, and they had a chance in that game. It, it came down to, to the wire. So you look at, at Blake Bortles. You know what the, the problem was is that you had Chris Ivory, who doesn't play the game. This game, look, this team without Chris Ivory looked exactly the same as it did last year. TJ Yeldon, we give you 20, 21 rushes. You get the touchdown, 39 yards. So they don't have that running game. And I'll tell you what, for fantasy owners, you got to love this because as long as they're – if you have a piece of Alan Hearns, Alan Robinson, Blake Bortles, Julius Thomas, uh, going forward, if they continue to struggle the way that they do running the ball, they're going to be forced to have to rely on Bortles throwing the ball. And it's going to be back to Bortles throwing 45, 50 times a game. And if he's throwing 45, 50 times a game, all those guys have a chance to make a da- do damage. Well, you know who had the most targets of any wide receiver? Allen Robinson. He didn't have uh, 15 targets. Only it's brought in six catches for 72 yards. But you know me. I'm a target. I'm an opportunity guy. You give that guy 15 targets week in and week out, he's not going to be de- he's not going to be delivering his seven points uh, standard. He's going to turn that into something. So I agree with you. And who knows what's to be said? Obviously, uh, Ivory just got out of the hospital today, but. This can't be a good thing. Your biggest sign. He made more money, twice as much money as any of those other running. What was that? Five year, like thirty-two million dollars. Yeah. Well, deal. well, Forte got like what twelve million over it was chicken scratch. Even even Doug Martin got, got chicken scratch compared to uh, Ivory. So uh, they got to be a little bit worried about this. Obviously, Yeldon owners are excited, but this is going to be a pass. Uh, but how excited can you be as a Yeldon owner? Because this is one of those games where thank God you got the touchdown. If you didn't get the touchdown, you're going, he's never going to get more than four carries in a goddamn game again once Ivory comes back healthy. The only thing you got going for you is Ivory's health. When's he coming back? This is a mystery illness, so it's a mystery to me. It's not a a football injury. It's like something. This is like, who's the the guy that uh, had all those injuries uh, like four years ago? Uh, I'll remember. Remember, he kept on like... It might have been like Cecil Shorts or some weird like that. injuries. Yeah, like all these weird injuries. Um, nah, I'll remember. Um, sorry, a little sidebar. But there was another guy where I was like, Jesus Christ, what's the what's the problem with this guy? He can't seem to get on the field. Keep up, keep talking. I'm gonna find this one out because my OCD won't so, let me. With with Yeldon, you're encouraged by the red zone touchdown. He got it in from, what, the one, two-yard line, and that's something they refused to pretty much give him last year. Right. You saw the short-yard touchdown, and that was early, and then you were excited by that. And then they decided, hey, we're going to stack the box just a little bit because we think Sham, Sh- Sham Shields, Sam Shields. Sham, other uh, Sham Shields. Sham Wow. Sham Wow. Sam Shields can cover uh, Allen Robinson on his own. And, you know, the other corners can you know match up with Julius Thomas. And then they went sort of just a man look, and it worked out fairly well. I mean, Blake well, Rose wasn't efficient. Well, but do you wonder what? It was basically, he really just wasn't efficient with, with Allen Robinson. Julius Thomas, five targets, five catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Allen Hearns, five targets, four catches, 75 yards. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, two targets, two catches, 48 yards. 
Um, I'm not going to put this one on Blake Bortles. Marquise Lee, four targets, two catches. That's Marquise Lee. I guess that's the epitome of Marquise Lee. Uh, <laughs> it's 100% the epitome of Marquise Lee. But now, you know, Sam Shields ended up leaving that game with yeah. a concussion. Or didn't leave the game. He's now been diagnosed with a concussion. Should have left the game with a concussion. Who are you? I'm Batman. <laughs> I just rewatched it with someone. I was talking, quick sidebar, concussions. We were talking, I'm like, do you remember that Snickers commercial? Because it's like, if they made that commercial now, they'd be like, you cannot put this out there. You are going to lose your job as an advertising person. You cannot be promoting concussions. I wrote so sensitive. I mean, the thing is, it looked looked like Alan Hearns and Julius Julius Thomas split a lot of the targets that were all going to Hearns last year. And if Al Robinson is, you're going to see 15 every week. Right. But if he's in the 11, 12 range, which a receiver of his skill set should be. And he will be. Then expect these guys to be splitting a lot of work. And then sort of, who, who's the guy who's going to get the touchdown that week? And that's how they're going to look. And you know, the one thing that you got to be worried about, because I'm an Alan Hearns owner, I'm worried about that. because And I, and I kind of knew it. This is one of those things about Julius Thomas. He's finally 100% healthy. Came in late in the year last year. And he was still effective in the red zone. He was still a touchdown target toward the end of the year last year. Now you have him come in. He just does it. I mean, yeah, granted, it was Peyton Manning that was throwing in the, the, the 12 touchdowns his first two seasons there in Denver, but the guy is effective in the red zone, and this game just showed it. All so right. I, I'm worried it's now a Hearns owner. So if you're a Hearns owner, you get a good game, look to sell quick. <laughs> I, mean, I am. Let's go over to the other side of the ball. Sad news with uh, Keenan Allen. He's down for the season two years in a row that that mofo has gotten injured. It's a bummer because a lot of people spent a lot of money on him. Was it week one last year as well or was it week two? No, he played in nine weeks. Oh, yeah. Was it nine, nine weeks? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know how many he was killing. He was, he was killing at the beginning of the year. Yeah, he had, he had a lot of time. But it's just too bad a lot of people like you I, spent well, 51 bucks on him in auction league. I'm the jinx. I, I have three years in a row. Talk about a league. So I'm in a dynasty league and three years in a row. Three years ago, I spent all my money on Adrian Peterson. He beats his kid. He gets uh, suspended for the year. The next year, I spent all my money on Des Bryant. He plays what? Two games, and then he's gone for most of the year. This year, Keenan Allen, he's my number one guy. He's gone for friggin' stinks. It's a bummer. But let's make do. Who replaces him? Is it Inman? Is it uh, Tyrell Williams? I I say Tyrell Williams. I look at the way that the uh, Chargers like to run their offense. Malcolm Floyd is no longer here. you got to have your deep threat. Travis Benjamin has not proven to be as much of that guy. Dontrell Inman was a guy who was there last year who actually showed some flashes. I'll take Tyrell Williams because of his big play flash ability. He was the guy that was making more plays in the preseason. He's the guy that both of his catches uh, uh, were for over 30 yards, so he's a big play target. I I think, again, though, when we talk about, uh, like we mentioned, I can't remember earlier who we said it's it's, going to be, oh, Will Fuller. You're going to have these these hit and misses. This guy's a total hit or miss type guy, so you're either going to score points with him or you're going to get done. Yeah, but the thing is, Travis Benjamin is the actual replacement. Travis Benjamin went into his position and started taking the possession receiver type routes. He averaged 2.8 average depth of target uh, on plays you know, in that game. So he is the guy who's going to be the heavily targeted player uh, on the outside. So that's a good thing if you're Travis Benjamin over. We can't say go pick him up off the waiver wire. That's the only problem, right? He's, because he's, he's, he's gone. gone. 
But Tyrell Williams then takes over his position. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if Dontrell Inman started on the uh, over him on the depth chart because it, uh, Williams is the more explosive player. Yeah. If, if you want to pick up Dontrell Inman, enjoy 5 for 50. Well, and, and, and to that point, on my waiver wire piece this week, I did not even include Dontrell Inman. It was Tyrell Williams. This is the guy that you want to own. And because he's the guy that's going to be the top taking off the defense guy, and the Chargers and Rivers like to do that at least take two or three shots at it every game. So, and but let's also remember that if we saw the number of pass attempts for this team go down in this game, mm-hmm. they attempted less passes. Would they attempt thirty six in this game? Yep. And under Wiz, they attempted less passes than they did last year. The offense is going to come back down to earth. In terms of pass attempts, and even more so now that Keenan Allen is gone. And they're going. More, but hold on, though, because you want to know why, though, too? Melvin Gordon. So let's shift this conversation. It's, it's just Wiz. Well, well, it's Wiz giving the ball. Remember. But, but it's also a guy who is now being a more patient runner himself in Melvin Gordon, or at least trusting, his, trusting the runs that where he's at. But last year, you could just see. For a guy in college who hit the hole with such veracity and such speed and such determination, he did not do that last year. Finally in this game, he actually looked like a competent runner running behind a line, seeing a hole once he saw it, trusting what he saw, and then going for it. It, it, it all comes down to Ken Wisenhunt. He is an offensive mastermind. Like He might not be a good head coach, but the things he could do when he is focused on offense is great. He can make you know Kurt Warner an excellent quarterback after he'd already washed out. And he did it with Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had his best season of his career uh, under you know, Wizen Hunt, fantasy-wise. But this is a team that now will play to people's strengths. They, they drafted, what, Derek Watt, and now they're running out of the eye. And that's why Melvin Gordon's more comfortable. And the offensive line is you know, so much more solidified because of Wizen Hunt. And now they're going to run more play action. But it all comes down to scheme. And the scheme is now better with Ken Wizen Hunt than it was with Frank Wright. And that, that's how it comes down to. Cool. Let's move on to the next game, and that's going to be the Atlanta Falcons are going to play uh, the Raiders in Oakland. And uh, let's start with the visiting team, obviously. Falcons, huh, you know, some of the news right now with the waiver wire darling at the moment is Tevin Coleman. Kind of looked like a split dealio between him and Devonta Freeman. Uh, do, you, do you see that per- keeping up? Do you think this was just kind of an anomaly of a game? Uh, if you're someone that drafted in the second round, the late second round, Devonta Freeman, or uh, kept him as a keeper or spent a lot of money on him, are you worried? You should be worried because they they told us what they were going to do, and they did it. They said, we're going to go with the hot hand at the running back position. Tevin Coleman catches some passes, gains 95 yards on five catches, and that is the hot hand because they both were crappy running the ball. <laughs> I mean... The offensive line didn't look like it had gelled you know, great against this Tampa Bay front. So we'll see going forward. But if, if Devonta Freeman makes a play, you know, that's a good thing for him going down the line in the rest of the game. But predicting that at the beginning of the game is great because they both played equal amount of snaps. But Devonta Freeman did still enter the game for Tevin Coleman in the red zone. The one thing I'll say, though, too, though, I want to I back up why you should be worried. If you remember last season, preseason, 
who was listed as the number one running back? It was Tevin Coleman. Devonta Freeman then had that, that blowout game. After that, he was injured. Right. After, but after that blowout game, then it was like, okay, now it was all Devonta Freeman. But this organization had been strongly behind Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman was a strong running back in the Big Ten for a bad team in the Big Ten. He has ridiculous speed. We saw that on Sunday on full display. So, yeah, this is one of those ones where I, if I'm a Devonta Freeman owner, I want to, to acquire Tevin Coleman as a handcuff because it's, it's almost like I, I worry for the top-end production here. Freeman's not going to get the top-end production because he's going to be sharing touches with a guy who has just as much, if not more, ability than he does. What this situation needs, and that's why you want to have a piece of it one way or the other, if one guy goes down, that other guy goes skyrocketing up. And we know that the Freeman train, as nice as it was, he was the number one running back in fantasy football last year, but that that bell curve wasn't a bell curve. It was uh, it was a, a climax and a, and a, and a, and a drop-down throughout the rest of the season. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that goes. Again, a guy I stayed away from uh, this this year, just too many unknowns. But Tevin Coleman, they liked him. Let's just hope he doesn't slip in the shower this year and reopen in the door for uh, Devonta Freeman to to uh, kind of redo it. But I know personally through texts from two people in two different leagues that do have Devonta Freeman. A lot of the swearing that we've heard in the uh, the Big Lebowski sound bites here have uh, been some things I've been hearing over text from owners of Devonta Freeman. He's got emotional problems, man. You mean beyond pessimism? He's fragile. He's very fragile. I did not know that. <laughs> He's fragile. Uh, yeah. He is fragile. Uh, Julio Jones. Didn't start the way I wanted him to, but had that nice touchdown to kind of equalize it and get 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 you into that. Uh, what it probably ended the top, I think he's thirteenth or something at the position for the week. So uh, you you would have thought he would have been a little bit better. That's not targets, fantasy points, uh, but we'll see. We got to keep him keep him coming. We need more. Uh, we we need a little more targets, target action for him. Sorry, I'm pulling shite up. Um, Julio Jones. Would you like me to talk for you? No. 14th. <laughs> uh, finished with the eight targets, four catches, 66, and that nice touchdown. I love it when he gets the ball in his hands. We just got to get more than four catches in his hands. So let's move on. Sanu um, did look good. He did, but you want to know what? Uh, let's put let, let's put the Sanu in perspective, okay? He had Gary a 59-yard pass play that was on nobody covering him. Okay, it was basically they said, oh, it's Mohamed Sanu. You're not going to throw the ball there. And he had the entire right side of the offensive. He was 20 yards downfield. I swear there was no one within 15 yards of him. He got 59 yards. <laughs> so after that point in time, if you take away that, that what did he finish with? It was uh, four catches for 21 yards. This is not a guy that is going to be a steady producer. I'm not buying it. Don't buy the stat line. Look at the situation and what happened in the game. He got lucky because they weren't paying attention to him. <laughs> <laughs> what about the touchdown? 
It's a nice pass by Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> right now, right I'm not giving some new credit for Jack shit. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, we know. I'm not buying it. Are you? Are you? I'm, I'm not are buying you it. the Muhammad Stutri? Tell me I'm wrong. I'm I mean, the volume's there, and we saw Leonard Hakerson have good games. You know, as that second receiver, Jacob Tammy. I mean, it's a nice it's, flex. It's, it's a nice wide receiver three. If if. if if they're gonna be down in a lot of games, this goes back to that whole Detroit Lions type of thing, where maybe he has that same value as Marvin Jones. That they're gonna have to be throwing the friggin' ball, and we but know that Matt guys. Ryan's not. We know that Matt Ryan's not all that, but he actually he gets a shitload of yards. He just doesn't get the touchdowns. Yeah, I. I, I, I I'm not gonna buy into it. I don't I, need to go into no, it. No, because I'm also looking at the fact that you know. This was against a Tampa Bay defense that is not the strongest defense. Okay, so they have the Raiders this week. I understand it. It looks good on that front, too. But, uh, you let's know, let's let, it, let's let it see. Let's see. But let's people are making up. that pick up right now. Yeah. If you want Muhammad Sadu, you're doing it. Yeah, but I would rather go after a Tajay Sharp. I'd rather go after a Will Fuller. I'd rather go after. There's, there's a lot of guys who had a Michael Thomas. There's a lot of guys who I'd rather go after. Than a Muhammad Sanu. Better know. know what Sanu is, and no Sanu is good Sanu for me. Remember Gary Gnu? That's why I just did it. Oh, he did. Okay, good. No Gnu's is good Gnu's <laughs> with Gary Gnu's. Missed it. Missed it. Got it. Okay. Um, anything else? Tammy, uh, Jacob Tammy had a, his pedestrian game. Uh, Eight but, targets. Yeah, but he got those targets. But he's got that stag party five for fifty. But we'll see. It's a tight end position has changed. Well, Maybe he's, he's, he's he might be he might be playable in larger leagues. There's no competition there for him. I mean, there really isn't. It's Austin Hooper. So, and what do we know about rookie tight ends? They usually don't perform at all, especially in fantasy. So, you know, it, it, I'll tell you what. You want to talk about first half? It's all Tammy. At that point, if Atlanta's out of it and they're, they're trying out and playing their guys for the future, then you can move on with Hooper. But Tammy's a decent play right now for streaming or to, you, know, uh, you know on the wire there. Probably just about the, as unsexy of a play as you it can is. get in any position. You're going to throw up in your mouth a little bit yeah. when you play him, but if he scores your points, you'll Jake, be okay. Of Jacob Tammy, he is unsexy. Let's move over to... The Oakland Raiders. Um, wow, what a what a call by Jack Del Rio. What a what a ballsy move. Way to go. Went for the win and uh, pulls it off. That that was just that just set the tone for the season and just saying, hey, we're not here to fuck around. This is not the same old Raiders, you know, and uh, and had been the, the the punching bag of the league. And uh, I, I love I love just this just the message that that sends. To the rest of the league, uh, that's all I'll say. I just loved watching that at the end, man. I, 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 it's hard not to like this team. Derek Carr looks like looks pretty good. I mean, but it's the Saints. Let's see how he fares against you know better defenses here this week. I mean, I don't know if they're much better, but they're slightly better than the Saints. And then let's see, you know, a little bit further down the line if he's truly taking a step forward. It's hard to judge off of Saints, uh, especially when they turned any given passer into Cam Newton last season. So we shall see. Yet to be determined. Amari Cooper looks great. Explosive plays. Short plays. Long plays. Whatever you want. Michael Crabtree. Underdrafted. He is going to get targets. This offense is going to funnel through two wide receivers. Like, and... If you want to think Clive Walford's getting a boatload of targets there, that seems misguided. 
Like, he looked all right, though. There were some plays where he had chances to make plays and sort of missed opportunities. But then the running backs, we, we saw... We saw Latavius Murray make some power plays. We saw him run over people into the end zone. We saw a long, long touchdown by Richard. Uh, can, I, can I say one thing about that? God damn it! We talk about Latavius Murray as this guy who is supposed to be the guy that brings that aspect to the field, and it's Richard. Did you Ooh. see? Did you see the hole? I did. Like if Latavius Murray had that same hole in the same situation, would have done the same thing. I know, <laughs> but the problem is, why is he never on the field when those things are happening? And this is one of those this, things where it's like, this is the first time it's happened I, without him. No, but but it, uh, let's think positive. I I want to think. Oh look, I liked everything I saw. And I'm a Murray owner, so as a Latavius Murray owner, I just want to see him get more touches. I want to see them not, you know, but the, unfortunately the way that the game plan of this game went, they were down, what, was it 27 to 10? So they had a, a, to change everything and abandon the running game. And then Richard just came in as that change of pace and made the huge hit. So Yeah, but he's also not the second running back on that team. No, I know. If you want to think he is because of one play, that's misguided. I mean, DeAndre Washington played more snaps, got more touches. He's still the guy to own, even though you look at the box score, there's a 75-yard touchdown. What I worry about, though, this is one of those things. DeAndre Washington is a rookie. and you know, Richard is a rookie. I Undrafted rookie. And, and what have we seen so many times? It doesn't matter if you're the drafted guy or the undrafted guy. It's who's performing better. And so the difference is, is he had five carries, Washington, and he only got 14 yards. Richard only got three carries. He got 85 yards. So... That also means that the 75-yard run, his other two carries were for five yards. I, no, and I, I agree. I think I agree with both of you. Uh, That's the a, thing, the, a the, fluid the, situation. The way that I want to look at this as a team, though, and right now the Oakland Raiders are on a point score with through one week. Stag Party just released. Uh, we released it on the site today. The Pyro Power Rankings through week one. They are fifth. So in fantasy points scored, they're right there, and they're on the high end of a power in numbers uh, slash power ranking team. And they're top five for wide receiver, top five for running back, and you love looking at that. You love seeing that. So if they can keep this up against, uh, you know, against the Falcons, who are middle of the road and actually give up a lot of – we're, we're giving up a lot on that got a green next to him for tight ends, uh, maybe that's something to say uh, you're, you're, you're liking O. Walford uh, this week. I don't know. But it's through one week, and, and I like the guts. I like the ballsiness, and the talent and the youth is there. They seem to be, uh, they seem to be doing it right. So anything else to uh, cover on this team, or shall we um, move on? Let's move on. Let's move on to the last game of the, uh, of the afternoon. And that is going to be the Colts at the Broncos. This is a, this is an exciting one. This is kind of one of those litmus test games that we had mentioned a bit earlier for the Colts. Can the Colts do it against uh, an Andrew Luck? Can they get these points like they did um, last week against Detroit? Can you do that against the Broncos? If so, good times all around for Luck and the rest of the uh, the, the guys who are on that team. Yeah, temper your expectations up. It's not going Luck, Luck ain't gonna be the wide, uh, wide QB one uh, in fantasy football this week, most likely. No, the but the Colts facing the Broncos in Denver. No, it is not the same thing. 
um, as uh, as facing who who's it that the Colts played last? They played Detroit. Detroit. This is a much different situation. Um, it's it's re- weird too because you have a great defense versus a horrible defense, a great offense versus a Trevor Simeon led offense. I'm not going to call it anything else except for that. <clears throat> that limits it in its own right. But the fact is that Indianapolis defense is horrendous. So as far as the Colts go, what's going to happen is I see most of the points that you're going to get from fantasy-wise out of all these players is going to come in the garbage time of this game. And the only hope that they can have, uh, I would really have, is I just don't see this being... Who's going to have garbage time in this game? That's what, Well, this is the problem. <laughs> There's not going to be a lot of it because the Denver's going to keep it close. Oh, the inning is not going to be able to push anything out. And I think that the Denver's going to try to run a ball control type of game with what they did last week with C.J. Anderson. They're going to try to establish that again because they don't trust what they have at the quarterback situation. You have a somewhat dinged up, we're going to play Demarius Thomas. You Thank God that was a scare for my squads. 100%. So... Yeah, you're right, Stags. I don't know where the garbage time really is. This is just going to be a tight game to where you got to temper expectations if you're a Dante Moncrief owner who's likely to see a similar body to keep to leave. And then if you're a T.Y. Houghton owner, when you're going to see a Chris Harris Jr. And then a Philip Dorsett when you're going to see Bradley Ro- Roby in the slot. You know, it just, yeah, it looks good on paper because it's strength against strength. Let's see if... The Broncos have lost anything because they watching them Thursday. They definitely did up the middle. You could just see gashes for Jonathan Stewart, and you just saw gashes. How much of that though is Cam Newton? Because they kept running that quarterback draw up the middle too against them. So where where Cam was exploiting them, you know, with this situation, luck. Yes, he can run, but he just does never looks to run. Would they? Are the Colts going to be smart enough to look at the game plan that the Panthers had where they had success in that? I hope not. And and use luck in that way? Or are they just going to say, you know what? We just gave the guy a shit ton of fucking money. We are not giving him the ball the at all to run with it. You you, But but they're not going to protect him either. He's going to be on his ass. He's probably going to get sacked at least five times in this game. Jonathan Stewart was able to gash them early. And you could see that up the middle, they were missing their linebacker, Trevathan, and they were missing uh, Malik Jackson, who both went other places and got paid. They were, it's, it doesn't matter if Luck wants to run or not. You should be able to run up the middle of this team and then use your tight ends over the middle where Trevathan excels in coverage. I mean, they were getting gashed over the middle. Olsen over the middle, yeah. Benjamin over the middle. Just their linebackers and coverage over the middle really struggled. And we saw Dwayne Allen make good plays. We saw Jack Doyle make a couple of plays in the red zone. But don't we also think that Brandon Marshall actually was concussed in that game? Well, he, he was. He got he got smashed he, early. He left the game a couple times. Yeah, I know. But he kept coming back. And I think that may have led to contributed to some of it. But it's a 3-4 defense. You still yeah. have two inside linebackers, and one of them sucks. I certainly hope that these cheap... Ch- 
cheap asses on Broncos aren't spearing and headshotting uh, Andrew Luck because uh, that'll be bogus. We'll see. It's going to be interesting and, and, and fun to see. Uh, I think what they've been doing on the Colts is, is getting the ball out of Luck's hands. I think they're going to rely a lot more on them trying to get Gore involved, giving him a, uh, more carries. I think well, how many carries? He only had like 13 carries. I think they're going to be able to in this game, though. I, I, I don't think they're going to be able to establish it. Whether they can establish it or not, they're going to have to do it to keep them honest. And True. I think quick, I think quick hits, uh, getting the ball out of Luck's hands, and then hopefully a couple long, uh, nice shots to uh, Ty can can happen. But we'll see. Let's flip on to the other side uh, of the ball where it's you know uh, Simeon in my trousers. Uh, what can what 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 can what can he do? And is C.J. Anderson the greatest? Uh, greatest pick of the draft, or is he next? Is he this year's Carlos Hyde? What do you expect CJ to be able to do in this game? Destroy. You think destroy? Like the Colts went up, went up fifty points to opposing running backs against the Detroit Lions, <laughs> forty-five points, and they did it on the ground and through the air. And we saw CJ's ability to catch the ball and how that you know CJ Anderson is a top five play this week at running back. If you're not playing C.J. Anderson, you are doing it wrong. We saw the Colts. We talked about the Broncos struggle up the middle. It's twice as bad with the Colts. Without Henry Anderson, without Jarrell Freeman, these guys have no linebackers to cover tight ends and running backs. You should target them in DFS uh, against pass-catching running backs all game long. Can I ask you a question about the game on Thursday? Was the first play of the game that Devonta Booker ever carries a fumble? Did that increase CJ's workload in that game? Do you think there was a situation where if Devonta had held on to the ball, was he getting 10? Was he getting 15 carries? And when all of a sudden Kubiak's no, like, you're out, youngster. He and now CJ was rolling. He wasn't getting 10, 15 carries, but it, it cost him. It cost him touches. Yeah, so you get in the doghouse. <laughs> first game. You know who was the guy on, on the on the Giants? David Williams was that the guy? If I remember the name right. Well, I know uh, the guy. Did David it. Wilson. David Wilson. Was Wilson. That the, okay, yeah. The guy, the guy yeah. Who, who? All the hype. Everything that's going on. Blah blah blah. First carry fumble. Yeah, I had. And then sorry. and then he was that was that was Coughlin, and so here well, with Kubiak. No, no, but what I'm saying is this is also veteran coaches. You know what? We're Super Bowl team. It's unacceptable. But the other fact of the matter is, C.J. Anderson, a guy who I'm a guy who owned him last year, uh, and which means you took him with the fifth overall pick. No, I got him at number ten. I think it was number <laughs> ten. And I'm sitting here going, "Wow!" And I watched that game against Carolina, and, and and compared to the game against Carolina and the Super Bowl that he had, that was more of a just plotting, hitting, running, plotting, plotting. This was. Holy shit, I didn't know C.J. Anderson looked that fucking fast. Yeah. He was just making cuts. It's like something changed for him where he became much more solid. So, no. Yeah, I don't, it's called health. Well, maybe that is, and it's week one, and so that's a well, big thing. But doing it against a defense like the Panthers and looking that fast against that fast of a defense, I don't care what, what it is. He took a step somewhere, did something right, took the right pills, did whatever. As Stag Party said in the Pyro uh, Power Rankings, Colts are the 31st worst fan. They gave up 112 fantasy points and obviously let up the uh, uh, 
We're the worst against the running backs. But I'm not anointing C.J. Anderson the greatest running back. No, in I'm the not world. either. I think it's a great matchup for him this week, for sure. But uh, I, everyone that's just getting too too in love with the guy and so excited about him, he still went pretty high. I thought his ADP. Based on week one, I'm feeling a little wrong on it, but he was, still was going high ADP. Um, but know. that's the whole thing, because I think I had him as like my 18th or 19th running back. So he's proving to be eight, nine spots ahead of where I had him. Yep. But so that's where I'm retracting from. But it's also coming from the the slight slighting of an owner who had him last year. I didn't. And have he him didn't last give me what he was supposed to do. I didn't have him last year, but I think I was the lowest on him in in our preseason rankings. So. I, I hope in the bottom of my heart that he doesn't do keep this up, but uh, <laughs> I'm with you at, too, the, at the end of the day, this, this looks like a pretty good matchup for him in the Colts. Uh, you got anything else to say about uh, the running backs in that situation, or should we uh, get on to Virgil Green or uh, the wide receivers? Virgil Green's got an interesting start just because of the linebacking situation, especially if Demarius is a little bit hobbled, but even then, you know, I, th- I think you can start pretty much everybody in this Denver Broncos offense. I think the Colts are going to be a team to attack. Colts and Saints. These are two teams in DFS. you got to be looking at every week saying, I'm going for the guys that are going against them. All right. Uh, well, that'll be interesting. Glad. Hopefully Demarius isn't banged up uh, and is going to play because that, that was a scare. Before we go into the Sunday night football game, listen to this. All right, we're back, and we're going to be doing uh, the NBC game. It's going to be Packers at the Vikings. Before we do that, Houdini's got to get a Val Verde. Where the fuck are they going to get? You want a toe? I can get you a toe. Believe me. There are ways, dude. You don't want to know about it. Believe me. Yeah, but Walter. Hell, I can get you a toe by 3 o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. All right. Packers at Vikings. NFC Norse uh, division. Well, I like how you did that. A little North and Norse combined. I, I, was, I felt like Chris Berman. That was great. My hairline. Norse. Just a little Norse. better than his. And my embalmer is definitely better paid than, than his. I, well, while we're here, is that the most boring crew on the NFL countdown ever? They're the new, the all new NFL countdown. I didn't watch it, so who's yeah, on it? I, I got home at work at exactly six o'clock, and the game is about to kick off. <laughs> yeah, it was an early game. Oh my god! So it's Chris Berman, Trent Dilfer, Barf, Hasselback, Barf City, the which white, one? We have white, which one? Uh, uh, Tim, 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 no, yeah, Tim, no, Matt. <laughs> Matt, really? <laughs> They're all the same. <laughs> so, so basically, if you're if you're on that show, you got to have a, a shiny head. Uh, you got Woodson. God bless him. I actually like him, but he was dressed like he looked like he was a sailor. So Ray, ja- Ray, Ray Jackson's gone. Or? No, he retired. He oh. retired like within the month ago. Uh, so they, they kind of forced him out. I think uh, Randy Moss. And then... Who the I, white Randy Moss or the receiver Randy Moss? Well, the receiver Randy Moss. So it's 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 Randy Moss and, and Woodson are the... Uh, you know the white Randy Moss I'm talking about. Of course, about. yeah. Okay. He, he does the... Uh, he's NFL the, Network. He's yeah. the Patriots uh, uh, beat writer. I oh, think. is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're not Randy Moss. Uh, that's pretty funny. But yeah, it's such a boring show. I mean, just... Not 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 the way to go. Um, so I'm all about the NFL Network. I am too. With... with Michael uh, Michael Irvin, 
Marshall Falk. The Eminem, the Eminem segment is, is is damn hilarious. Mooch is the greatest. Mooch is great. Eisen's awesome. Eisen's awesome. Yeah, it's that's the show. Even Kurt Warner in his, in his purple suit, the plum suit that he was wearing on Sunday. Because that's game. That's what I was watching. No, I'm all about the NFL Network. Uh, other than last night on the, uh, the the second game, Lindsay Sarniak. Yeah. I really want to throw a bone towards her. Um, all right, let's go on. Packers, where are we heading with this one? Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you're starting him. Uh, Eddie Lacy, you're probably starting him. He looked good, and he made some you know, explosive plays. He got a little bit of longer gains. So you liked what you saw out of him. You just didn't really like what you saw out of this offensive line as a whole. You know, letting go uh, of our guy. Who, 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 Sitting. Josh yeah. Sitton. Yeah. Letting go of Josh Sitton looks like a mistake. We saw pressure up that gap all game long. Um, now let's see, you know, if they can correct it, you know, with a week of actual practice with a, with a new guy in there. So that's something that's good to see. Um, but Jordy Nelson got on the field, wasn't didn't make any explosive plays over the top, but. Him, he scored a touchdown, got some yardage for you. Nine targets. Got targets. And then Randall Cobb got that, targets. Sorry to talk over you. That that touchdown for Cobb was one of those Rogers dropbacks and just kind of threw it in the zone, and 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 Jordy was able to come down with it. Uh, the re- reliability factor and just kind of. Devontae like Adams finally made a play. Yeah. Although let's let's also remember Devontae Adams. While making the play, three catches for 50 yards with a score on seven targets. So, again, a lot of miscommunications with Rodgers. And, unfortunately, that's the thing that sticks out to me more than anything else. I think he benefited more from Jordy being in his first game back uh, than he actually made things happen on the field. Yeah, I mean, Jordy hasn't been practicing, you know, full go for very long. You know, now we get to see, you know, with another week how they progress. The Vikings' defense is pretty good. We'll see how they perform against the Packers. Sometimes they seem to step up to the task and play well. But I'm just worried about the sort of circumstances mm-hmm. for the Packers' offense. They're going into a brand-new dome where they're opening a billion-dollar building. And you know the hype's going to be through the roof for this you know, Vikings' defense because they don't have any hype for the offense. Yeah, no. There's what well, offense? I mean, go ahead. Let's see. Let's let's quickly close out. Jared Cook didn't do crap. Richard Rodgers. So the tight end is going to continue to be the tight end position for the Packers. Uh, Cook was a guy that people were starting to get pretty hot on in drafts leading up. Uh, look, could be could be kind of a, a poor pick yeah. considering I, I think I remember him going in the eighth or ninth round in most drafts <laughs> I was in. And then the key point that was made as I was watching that game, they're like. Aaron Rodgers said one of the greatest things about having Jared Cook be here is that it finally pushed Richard Rodgers to be better because Cook is a better athlete, but as we know, Cook is not a guy that just gets game plan, is a consistent player, is a hard worker, and you're a guy, D-Rex, who is always about the hard work guys, the guys that put in the extra time and do that, that you want the heart guys. Richard Rodgers is a heart guy. Yeah. We know Jared Cook is not a heart guy. 
Yeah, I'm staying away from. I'm I'm, it, I'm doing emoji hearts. Talent, talent should put Coco over the top. It's unfortunate it didn't, but you know what? Richard Rogers is kind of a steal right now. Uh, maybe I need to add him to the waiver wire pickup. So if you're listening to the podcast, don't sleep on that. If you're in a deep league and you got that tight end out there, why not? Um, all right, let's go on. Rogers did not have over 200 yards. Um, didn't he? Somehow he finished up. Pretty, oh, he had the rushing TD. Um, so Rogers does Rogers. I feel like he's 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 a stud. But it's the usual suspects with with never, Green Bay who you were going to start. Never really lights the thing up though. Let's go on to the other side. Um, is for the Vikings is uh, Bradford starting? Sounds more and more likely after we, what we saw from Sean Hill in Week One. What we didn't I, see. Yeah, lack of what we saw. Uh, I think you got to go with Sam Bradford at the position. I mean, they they felt like they owed it to Sean Hill to give him a chance. And then that'd be stupid because if he comes out and he lights it up and he throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. Oh, by the way, we traded a first and a fourth for Sam Bradford, who we're not going to play. So, like, that could have been worst-case scenario. But luckily, best-case scenario came up. They got to get Bradford a week in practice learning the playbook, and now they can say, hey, we gave Sean Hill a shot, and he sucked, and that's why we gave up a first and a fourth. What if what if Bradford comes out and throws up a Josh Freeman uh, first game quarterback outing for the Vikings? Remember that a few oh, years God. ago? They made the trade they made for the him, trade and then he, they put him right into the, into, the, into the flame, and he had like the worst game ever, and they basically... <laughs> I, I, he never, I don't think he's played in the league again. Well, I think he played for Indianapolis last season. He did. He was. He looked. He looked but okay. He had to be like the QB four, right? Well, yeah. Then, no, he started a game. They, he he started. They, a game. Don't you remember when Luck went down and they and they oh. signed Freeman off of the off of the waiver because because, because, because Painter was absolute. Was it Painter last year or was it uh, no? Uh, who was or Jesus? Right, yeah, Hasselbeck. Hasselbeck. No, other couple or Jesus. Come on, there's oh, Whitehurst. Oh. Whitehurst. Oh, Charlie Whitehurst. Jesus. But what's Hasselbeck was the backup last yeah. year, and then okay. he got injured. Okay. So he got, got <laughs> it was a Painter they let they let go the year before, right? So Painter was Jesus. back when he was the starter for Peyton when Manning? Manning went down. Well, hell, sometimes <laughs> I go back into the regions. You let's know let's talk about what you're drinking. Tonight, you know, dude. Here, here's what I'm drinking. Oh Jesus, what's that smell, man? Uh, yeah, it's uh, probably a vagrant slept in the car, or maybe just used it as a toilet and moved on. Hey man. Are you going to find these guys or, you know, I mean, you got any promising uh, uh, leads or... Leads? Yeah, sure. I'll uh, just check with the boys down at the crime lab. They uh, got uh, four more detectives working on the case. The gun is working in shifts. <laughs> leads. All right, Houdini's drinking Old Rasputin by North Coast Brewing. Nine, it's a nine percenter. Um, I got Fist City Revolution. You guys know about this. I love this. I'm even drinking it out of my Fist City glass. Uh, that's what we're doing. Uh, Stag Party's got his monster over there and maybe a Gatorade of some sort. We're closing in. Let's talk about the Vikings a little bit. Move on to that Monday night game. Let's shut this party down. The AC is off, so the audio sounds a little bit better than other than these loud trains and my upstairs upstairs neighbor dropping weights on the floor. Um, but we're all sweating balls over here. I need some reassurance as a Adrian Peterson owner. Am I going to get some comeback in week two? 
Well, Adrian Peterson yes. has sucked in week one and four Every the last year. three years. Every year. Um, and also, you know, Bradford, hopefully in a quarterback, should be able to throw the ball a little bit deeper downfield than Sean Hill. Um, we'll just depend on his sort of grasp of the offense. I, I think it'll be all right. You can, you can learn 60, 70, 80 plays. Uh, enough for a game. Even even in Adrian Peterson's 2,000-yard season, he had, he threw up like the first three or four games were stinkers. Like this this is Adrian Peterson. Last year, I mean, I remember I had him in the leagues, and I was like, oh god, why the hell do I have this dude? He's gonna be fine. Yeah. The hope is though that you know Bradford can at least provide some threat of a passing game because. Sean Hill did not scare Tennessee, and they played eight in the box like nearly every single snap. I agree. Let's move on. Well, let's, 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 let's Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, though. He's the guy that had 100 yards and a touchdown. So Did he score? He did. Did he score? No, no, no oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Did he score? No, no, he did not. Seven for 103. My bad. That's still a nice game. It's nice on nine targets. He's... He's the true number one there, and you know we moved there towards the end of the season as we found out more and more information about Laquan Treadwell struggling, and this guy lighting it up, just making catches. This guy makes catches. Like, he is a great catcher. Yep. Like, he physically catches the ball great. Out in front of him, uses his hands. You know, maybe one of the best players in the league using his hands and not being a body catcher. And his ability to just shake free on a variety of different routes is great. So Stephon Diggs, if he can find a true quarterback and a little bit more volume, like which we saw this week, upwards of 25% of a target share, that's going to be a great thing. And he's going to be a weekly wide receiver three. Let me throw out the don't buy on this guy, Charles Johnson. Yep. Six targets, one catch. Yep. Five yards. Yep. One six back. Fourth beer, Valverde! Will you come off and walk? You're not even fucking Jewish, man. What the fuck are you talking man, about? You're fucking Polish Catholic. What the fuck are you talking about? I converted when I married Cynthia. Yeah, come on, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, know this. Yeah, and five fucking years ago, you were divorced. So what do you say? When you get divorced, you turn in your library card, you get a new license, you stop being Jewish? This is, this is edgy. The guy who pressed play on that is Jewish. I will say this from experience. One of my friends uh, wanted to have any girl that he dated um, convert to Judaism. Finally got married. I'm telling you, the wife made him convert. He's Catholic now. <laughs> After literally endless girlfriends, like, oh, yeah, I couldn't, I'm not with her anymore. She wouldn't convert. He's totally got a Christmas tree. The menorah, the menorah is packed in the basement. All right. Um, what, what's going to happen with Treadwell? What's it, it's going to be a long trek back. I mean, yeah, maybe he could pass up Charles Johnson sooner rather than later. But still, we've got to see him do something on the field, get a couple targets, you know, just make a play before we can recommend anything fantasy-wise. I mean, the only other guy there, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle yeah. Rudolph sort of showed up. Yep. Got a you know a good amount of targets, so expect him to remain a part of the offense, even with Bradford coming in or Sean Hill there. But, yeah, I, he's, you know, if you're an Ertz owner in a PPR league and it's deep, think about it. I agree with that. Um can we move on from this game, or is there anything else you want to say? No, that's it. That's about enough for me. Is McKinnon, oh, last thing, McKinnon, injured. What, how serious is this? 
a lot of shares were out there uh, as a, uh, a handcuff for. Uh, Haven't heard much. Okay, I, I just know that I think he's got a hurt foot or something. Um, okay. Let's go to Monday night. Our team, Houdini's going to be there. The Eagles are at Soldier Field. I kind of like, I kind of remember how we made fun of, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, how similar the Eagles uh, song is to the Bears song. Is it? Fly Eagles Fly. They did the commercial. They had the same cadence. And the commercial, they're making fun of, like, basically how the cadence on the both songs are the same. I'm having a feeling the producers, they listen to the Pyro Podcast. We made fun of that years ago. Fly, Eagles, fly. Bear down, Chicago Bears. But you know what? Go listen to any, like, college fight song. And, like, so many of them sound exactly the same. I agree. Because, you know what? The best part, as I mentioned this in a a prior podcast, we're in Chicago. We're talking about Chicago football right now. The Buffalo Bills had no fight song. Marv Levy became the head coach. He's from Chicago. He went to Lane Tech High School in Chicago. My boy. The Bills fight song is the Lane Tech fight song. He basically just changed a couple words. <laughs> Go and it's the Lane, for we are here to cheer for you. I love it. I'm going to sing the whole you thing. You want to sing the whole thing? I'll, I'll no, I want to go home. I want to go home. fight no, song no, afterward. No, no. <laughs> Shut it down. We want to move on. All right. Eagles really and Bills. Let's talk about sweat. Eagles. Let's talk about Carson Wentz and how good this motherfucker looked after getting, like, no touches after getting his ribs broken because they had him playing with undrafted free agents in week one of preseason. And wow. Legit. Impressive. Against the Browns. I know it's against the Browns, but well, it's legit. Impressive. The guy's got, he's got the skill set. He looks, to me, he's got the skill set of uh, the athleticism. He's got that way that he can run. He, he, he looks like Andrew Luck when he's out there to me. I'm, just I'm not going to go too high on him, but excited. Excited for the uh, excited for him to be able to, to see what he can do. I'm just going to be stubborn as fuck like the Browns and be like, not a top 20 NFL quarterback. <laughs> I don't care what you guys say. It was one game, Hugh Jackson says. Okay. All right, how's RG3 treating you? Yeah, right. Oh, I mean, Josh McCann. How's that man bun? <laughs> uh, but. Bonbon. Bonbon, as Michael Irvin called it in the, in the, uh, in the pregame section. What's this Bonbon? <laughs> <laughs> so, Carson Wentz made some good throws. You know, was able to move around in the pocket. Didn't rush much. But then, you know. Good things come to those who play this Cleveland Browns defense, and I'm sure we will see. A, that's another defense to pick on all off season long, or all season long. Uh, this week, going against the Bears, you know, it's another defense you can sort of pick on. Here's here's the one guy that I want to ask you the question about them because the guy that stood out is Jordan Matthews, and for yep. multiple reasons. Number one, that yes, he is the best receiver on this team. Mm-hmm. 14 targets. Mm-hmm. And we know how rookies lock on to guys. I feel like he's just knows, you know what, my best chances are when I throw it up his way. And now especially we have the news of the Earth's injury with the rib and what his, his situation is going to be, which is probably going to be not playing. And we look at the Bears secondary, which Tracy Porter, I'm sorry, is one of your better cornerbacks. This is a problem. I think that Jordan Matthews and Carson Wentz could have kind of a field day here, if, especially if he's going to get 10-plus targets, which he's going to have to get in this game. Yeah, I mean, saying he's having 
going to have a field day seems like a stretch, but he's going to be a good play. Like, if you want to start him as a wide receiver three flex, that is a great start. You know, going up against the Chicago Bears, but do the Bears believe Nelson Aguilar, or do they double up, you know, Jordan Matthews with no Zach Ertz and, you know, Darren Sproles. I just Darren Sproles who destroys the Bears, by the way. But the problem with the Bears is that their secondary is full of old and Tracy Porter or really young and Dion Bush and Andre Amos and um, uh, what's the kid out of uh, Northern Iowa? Um, I can't remember. The rookie out of Northern Iowa. So they got a lot of young guys out there. And, and unfortunately, with what you saw too from the Bears as far as putting pressure on the quarterback, they didn't do a very good job that last week. They, they did not put pressure on Osweiler. Yes, got Leonard Floyd got there once, but other times he just got completely overpowered. Lamar Houston and Willie Young were, were virtually non-existent. The only time I really remember hearing Willie Young's name was when he got off sides on a stupid uh, third down that gave him a first down. So, you know, you're not you, – you have Goldman, who's a decent push in the middle to prevent the run. I just think that – that Carson Wentz should be able to carry his momentum forward in this game. I'm not going to endorse announcing Aguilar. I'm not going to endorse anyone except for Carson Wentz and Jordan Matthews. What about Ryan Matthews? You know what? I look at I, I don't I don't like I, I like him as like an, an average play. I just don't see a big type of play because of the way that the Bears uh, with their inside backers. You got those are two legitimate players in Freeman and Trevathan. They attack the ball. So yeah, he'll get his three or four yards down the field, but he's never going to break a big play because one of those two guys is going to get him before he gets six, seven yards. But it's probably going to be another volume play, sort of like he was week right. one. He gets twenty-two for eighty, right? You know, scores a touchdown, and then he's a good play. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's going to have to be that way. It's not going to be that he's going to get. You know, he's not going to open up big runs against this defense. Let's go over to the other side of the ball and uh, to the Chicago Bears. Okay, the good old Bears. Flip right back where we started. So, Jeremy Langford. He's the guy you might want to think about playing against the Philadelphia Eagles who struggle against the run and who gave up, you know, a touchdown to Isaiah Crowell. So, you know, Langford should be a good volume play. Played like 97% of the Bears snaps. Got 98% of their fantasy points. Like, he's the guy to own. He's an interesting flex play. Running back two every week just because of volume. In DFS this week, you might be able to slide him in, at, you know, for a low salary as you're running back two. It, it get pretty good return on that. Uh, but let's also think about on the outside, Alshon Jeffrey. Great matchup this week against Nolan Carroll. How good did he look last week? Good, so he made drops. Well, but but you're gonna have the you know what though, but he was the only guy that was making plays. Like Eddie Royal looks like he had more like, more points than him last week, which is crazy. But but the fact is, but it was a hundred yard game for yeah, Alshon. And you're, you're talking about Alshon going and throwing it the way that you do. Eddie Royal is not a guy, he he's a guy that gets dictated based on what the defense is showing up. So but the fact remains is this. Eddie the guy that, that stands out as, as the biggest disappointment though is you're sitting here going, Kevin White. What the hell is going on? And this is why Eddie Royal became part of my waiver wire pickups this week because, you know what? I'm not sold on Kevin White. I think Kevin White is, is and this is where you've got a lot of people here in Chicago who are going, um, is this another bust? Is this the next David Terrell? Is this the guy who, who has all the talent in the world, but we can't, we're never going to be able to figure it out? 
And the fact is, early on at least, all the people that have Kevin White, they're going to drop him. He's, I've already dropped. Right. He's, he's, he's waiver wire. He's waiver wire duck butter. And he's worth dropping right now. you got to understand this. That doesn't mean that you're just writing him off for the rest of the season. But you may want to pick him up, and it may not be until week 6, 7, 8, 9, until he finally figures out what it takes to be a real NFL player and to because and when the Bears finally allow him to use his speed because every play that he catches is the stupid short screen. Give me a break. Where are we going anywhere? Royal is a guy that Cutler trusts. He's gonna he's gonna look to him when he's in trouble if Alshon's covered. That's the first look. It's and White's, White's the catches that White's were making was were total garbage time. I don't care how many, but he had seven targets throughout the game. But when he was actually catching the ball and doing something, it was nothing plays. It was absolute garbage. Yeah, but he also was on the field for nearly every snap the Bears played. So even if he's, you know, struggled to get targets, being on the field is a precursor to what eventually happens in getting targets. But, you know, Eddie Royal, it looked like his role was really over the middle. Where Zach Miller was pretty much non-existent, where you know what Logan Paulson was non-existent, the guy freshly signed, like they are struggling badly at tight end. To where Eddie Royal doesn't even have to usurp Kevin Wright on the depth chart to still be in a sort of impact fantasy player in PPR leagues mostly. Can we be done? I'm, I I can be done. Let's do this. All right, last thing we'll do. Check out Pyro Pro. If you're not a member of it already, um, you know you can dip your feet in it for five bucks a week, ten bucks a month, uh, or forty dollars for an entire year. That means if you sign up today, uh, let's say tomorrow, September 14th, you'll have it till September 14th of 2017. If you are a Pyro Pro, you can be asking us questions, direct questions, called second opinions. You got a fantasy question about your lineup or a pickup. Or uh, uh, rules, or just a random um, fantasy football thing you want to know, you send it out to us via the back end and we uh, will uh, answer this question for you. Uh, people love that. You've got your resource toolbox of stats and charts and different fantasy football uh, items that are going to help you be a better fantasy footballer. We're actually going to add it, uh, I'm going to add this week the final version of the draft kit to the resource toolbox, which will give you. The whole draft kit, but the re, the SLS alone is something you can be using amongst other tabs that were in there uh, to to help you throughout the season. If you didn't buy the draft kit this uh, this preseason before your draft, you can still uh, see how awesome it is and give it a test run during the uh, regular seasons, and then you'll obviously be hooked for next off season. Uh, on this, we also you you are given all access to our player rankings. We've got the Pyro Heat Index in there. Now we've got the Twitter feeds happening in there. There's the Fantasy Goo, which is one-off special nuggets of fantasy football goodness that Houdini uh, and, and some of the other fellas are writing. Uh, it's just endless how awesome Pyro Pro is. It, it's like staying one night this fall, and if you're paying money for fantasy football or doing DFS, it's just worth its weight in gold. Uh, make it happen. Sign up. It helps us help you, as Stag said earlier in the show. This is week two. In the in the can, I think Houdini is going to do another soundbite. Then we're going to close out with uh, Sublime. Bad fish. We're closing out with yes. I have to give you one more soundbite because this is the Big Lebowski. This is a fantastic movie. That one of those movies that you may watch the first one and go, "That's a dumbass movie." Watch it again. 
There are so many small different nuances and stupid shit that you just have to, once you want to, trying to understand the plot, it's stupid. And that's what's great about it. So, let me give you this. Hey dude, don't go away man. Come on, this affects all of us man. We're basic freedoms. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. And by the way, John Goodman's probably greatest role as far as I'm concerned that he's ever done. Awesome. Alright, let's play our music as as usual. Thank you for listening. This is another three-hour gem. Week two has changed. Much ado. What was it? Much ado in week two? Yeah, much ado about week two. About week two. And the end, much ado and the dude abides week two. Fair enough. The dude abides here. We love you, Pyros. Check it out. Uh, spread the word. Tell us about your friends that aren't in your league. Uh, you know, help us grow. We put a lot of time and love into this. Give us a little back. Out.
fellow and myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar and much obliged. Sometimes the bar will eat you. Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light and, you know, has it ever occurred to you that instead of, uh, you know, running around uh, uh, blaming me, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, it, it, this could be a, a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. New shit has come to light. And, and shit, man, 